0: Welcome back into another episode of The Owen Show. I'm Owen Burke, joined alongside by Tim Hunt, per usual. Tim, how are you doing on this fine day?
1: Pretty good. A little different. We're not actually alongside one another today, but that's okay.
0: It's very weird. Remote, remote recordings. So, I apologize for any loud noises outside, because for some reason people feel the need to rev their motorcycles going six miles an hour down my street, so that's cool. Yeah. Episode 16, 16.5, 16, part two, whatever you want to say, technical difficulties last week. I was very upset about it. Um, last week was a really good episode, covered everything on Black Monday, and we we kind of just ate half the show with talking about head coachings and GM vacancies, and I effing loved it, and then the, everything just went to hell after that. So we're going to do our best to not reference the things that you haven't heard and we're, also to try we, to hopefully touch on some things
1: we've, we've got the predictions from uh, from from the games that we did call some people uh, will will know what we're talking about but yeah we'll we'll reference who we picked last week even though not everyone will have evidence of it some of you will so yeah
0: you're just gonna have to take our words on the predictions honestly because yes. uh, trust me we won't lie to you I mean, I might because I didn't do as hot as Tim did, but <laughs> uh, he's going to keep me honest. So yeah. before we get to those those recaps from last week, got a couple fan questions this week. They kind of stacked up on us. We're going to go ahead and redo the fan questions that we had last week uh, just to make sure that we get everything in this week. So we got five fan questions today. I believe that's a record high, uh, according to my account, at least. Um, so we're going to start off one. This first one is going to be a question that came to us down from florida this question asks rank these three players at the end of their career trey young john morant luca Doncic. so we're talking they've played their entire careers out who is one who's two who's three who's the cream of the crop who's the worst what do you think tim
1: uh i mean so we're assuming no injuries i'm guessing on this
0: yeah and- you know, you gotta, yes, we're going no injuries. Cause you can't no injuries. predict that. It's impossible. Okay. Um,
1: this is tough because I feel like I have some strong biases when it comes to this question and I've shown them every time we talk about this.
0: <laughs> That's so, true. Yeah. You're not wrong.
1: One of these players I love, one of these players I absolutely despise. So, um, I, I would go, I mean, I'm just going to go with what my heart says. I'm going to go with jaw. Number one, Luca, number two, and Trey, number three. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, I think jaw is the most explosive athlete out of everyone. And I think this is the first year that we're kind of starting to see that come through. Uh, I think we're
0: seeing the volume. Finally. I think we've yes. seen the flashes. Now we're seeing 36 minutes a night and we're seeing the results on the court. Yes.
1: So I, I, somebody compared it to like peak Derek Rose. This season is very close to like the start of Derek Rose. So, uh, and they have very similar styles too. So I kind of like that comparison, both really explosive, get to the hoop kind of guys just makes a ton of highlights. Yep. Um, I think Luca will, I, I and everyone always ends up comparing him to Dirk one way or another, so I hate to do that. But I think his career will be very much like Dirk where Dallas is not super relevant. So he kind of like in the middle of his career kind of like, fades a little bit. You know what I mean? Mm. He's still going to be amazing, still going to be great, but maybe isn't in the spotlight because his team's not super relevant every year. You know, they're not yeah. making it to the Western conference finals. Um, Cause that is the one thing in the history since Mark Cuban's own Dallas is getting a second star in Dallas has been next to impossible. So, yeah,
0: and, or they'll get one and then they can't keep him.
1: right. Exactly. Or they'll get one
0: and he doesn't fit
1: and it didn't work. Right. So Which that we're be- seeing that already. Yeah. So that would be the one reason I'd put Luca at two. And then I just hate Trey Young. So, I mean, that's three. fair.
0: I think bias aside, my list is actually going to be the exact same as yours. Um, you could definitely make the argument for Luca at one. I think there's an argument to be had there. I don't think Trey Young sniffs anything but the three spot. And it's no disrespect to him. You could hate him if you want to, you're definitely allowed to. Um, he's a great player. I think he's going to be good. But, there's just the extra spice when it comes to those other two guys. and the,
1: the one thing I will say is there is some projection in that statement, right? So obviously we're saying the end of their career. Like right now, Luca is the best player out of yeah. all of them by far. I'm just projecting Jod ja to go above
0: and beyond Luca. Yeah, and I think... I think whether we're talking now or talking end of the career, Trey Young's probably third on the list. Yes, I
1: Unless would Unless he
0: truly, truly comes out and lives up to the comps of Stephen Curry, which is going to be near impossible to do. As good as he is. Yeah. The, the volume of being Steph Curry is very, very hard to compete with. Um, I, obviously, I, no injuries. This is I feel like this is safe. Now we made the Derrick Rose comparison. Obviously when you bring injuries into that, which this is real life injuries happen. Yeah. That can get muddled. So I think Luka's the safe pick, but we're going no injuries. I think it's John Morant.
1: So, I mean, let me, and let me phrase it this way too. I would look at the three guys and I would go, jaw can be a one on a championship level team. Luca can be a one. I don't know if I look at Trey Lance and go, he can be a one on a championship team. And, That's not necessarily a knock because he feels like uh, D Wade is like kind of my, I mean, they don't play similar, but like D Wade was never necessarily like the hero on the team. You know what I mean? He was always like the guy, but he always had to have a bigger star there with him to win.
0: Yeah. And I mean, honestly, you could kind of say that about Steph too. that play style. Like Steph was the one on a championship team, but does he get there without clay?
1: No. He that's
0: you know that's the thing. So maybe that I mean that style of play works, but it may not always lead you to championships single handedly.
1: It's so. it's not the most consistent way to get there. That would be the thing I'll say is is yeah, Steph got there, but he had a super loaded team around him, so it worked. Um, yeah. And Trey's either going to have to have that, or he's going to have to have a bigger star with him, or or he goes to them. You know what I mean? Some scenario like that. I just don't see Trey Young as a as a true one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could see it. It's it's also it's going to be, I mean, it goes for all three of these guys. What is that front office going to put around him? Because I can tell you pretty confidently that Giannis would not have touched a finals MVP or even a finals trip, let alone a title, if the Bucs didn't perfectly build that roster around him. Right. They put the perfect four guys, perfect three, four guys around him to just make it work. and. Yeah.
1: And the best comparison for that is when Dirk won that championship in 08, I want to say. I think it was 11, you know, 11. 11. Okay. That was the kind of the same storm there, right? Like, not necessarily. There wasn't another superstar. I mean, Jason Kidd's a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I consider him, like, you know, another guy, if you will.
0: Yeah, they had they had Dirk, and then they had, like, four or five extremely high-end Yes, role players are, like, low-end All-Stars. Absolutely. And that's, that's, I mean, yeah, we, well, I'm not going to sit here and talk about the bucks the whole time. Cause I'll keep going. Um, our next fan question comes to us from Trey Sanchez. His, uh, question was, what are kind of our thoughts on swaggy P Nick young? Uh, he commented on a post, I believe it was either Monday night or Sunday night. Um, about a hustle. Highlights post on Instagram. Basically, a bunch of Lakers fans made a diss track about Russell Westbrook and, and um, just how the seasons went so far for the Lakers. Obviously it's been a disappointing year for them so far. And uh, Nick Young basically said, he said that's why they're losing because people show hate more than they show love. Uh, this man, Russ is a first ballot hall of famer and y'all be talking about him like he's Tony Snell, LOL, no disrespect. Um, I think there's definitely some truth there. Um, I would agree. Yeah. Russ is always going to be the scapegoat. He is. If there's ever been a time where you can look at a player or a player's career and be like, it's the same thing as like being a head coach or an offensive coordinator, in my opinion. Like, like everyone looked at when, when Dak ran that QB power, that power play to end the Dallas game, they couldn't clock it. Everyone looks at Mike McCarthy and they're like, you're an idiot. But then they look at Kellen Moore and like, you're a top head coaching candidate but he was the OC. We don't know who called that play. It could have been either of them. He I gets all Colin the blame. Yeah, he gets all the blame and none of the credit. He goes, drops 30-10-10, and, and the Lakers win by 20, and they're like, Stanley Johnson was the pickup of the, the season. This 10-day contract is perfect. He had eight points on four for four last night. And then, oh, that one game that Russ has nine turnovers. like, oh, man, Russ is terrible. I hate that guy. It's horrible. I-
1: I agree with you and I disagree with you in some ways. Like Russell Westbrook is who he is, right? Like this is not like, it's not like Russell Westbrook's having a horrible season. This is always who Russell Westbrook's been. There's always
0: pluses and minuses to his game.
1: Yeah. And I just think he's not a good fit. And so Laker fans are losing their mind, but what other move could the Lakers have made this offseason That would have been anywhere near as productive. Are they better off without Russell Westbrook? Like, I mean, there's a reason they probably haven't traded him probably because there's little to no market
0: for him, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what you have to try to figure out. Cause I do agree with you. The fit was horrible. Like I looked at this team, they have AD, they have LeBron. And before the Russell Westbrook trade, I was like, this team needs depth and they need shooters. I was like, this is, what did they do? They went and got a notoriously streaky shooter to, to run the offense so, like, obviously, Bradley Beal would have been the best fit, but obviously, that they didn't want that to happen. They were like, we're trying to kick Russ to the curb, not Bradley Beal, you know? So give yeah. us Kyle Kuzma and we'll move on. Um, and Kuzma's flourished in Washington. They're, I think, the top four seed still out east.
1: Yes. He's having a career
0: are. year. And of course, everyone's looking. They're like, why, why does everybody get better when they leave LeBron? Because they're not playing. Like, as much as LeBron makes you better. He makes you better when you leave because you're not under so much constant pressure. Kyle Kuzma was thrusted in the NBA, wasn't even the best rookie on his team next to Alonzo Ball, and then a season and a half later, they're like, you're the third option to LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Right. And if you don't perform to a third option level talent, we're going to go after you at every corner. You get that pressure off of his head, you drop him into a place that doesn't really care about their basketball team because even when they had John wall, they weren't the greatest. And all of a sudden this kid's flourishing. I wonder yeah. why.
1: Yeah. I just think it's situational for, for Kuzma, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have a ton of thoughts. I mean, it, it was, it was a desperation move, right? Like LeBron is it was. aging. Anthony Davis is always hurt. It just felt like there was no, they just needed to try something in order to save this team. And who knows, it it could come together at the end of the season, just it hasn't so far.
0: Yeah, they're they're just I feel like they haven't put the work in off the court or on the court just to make it gel the way it needs to. Yeah. This is one of those pairings where they really needed to put in a lot of extra work to make it work, and they haven't, I feel like. I feel like they kind of all got in the gym and was like, let's just fucking play basketball. Yeah. And they're finding out that not always does that work. So into our next fan question comes from us from Mitchell Lewis, He wants us to rank these coaches one through five from best to worst. We got a couple coaches here, obviously a couple legendary names. Uh, rank these five: Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, Phil Jackson, Coach K, and Tony La Russa. So we've got college football coach, NFL head coach, NBA, college basketball, and an MLB. So we got one of one of each flavor here. Yeah, to go around.
1: Do you want me to go first? I can. Yeah.
0: What do you, what do you think? I'm curious okay. to see, see what you think about this.
1: I, I would go and and this is one through five. I would go Belichick because six championships and the hardest sport to win a championship yep. um, puts him there. Phil Jackson at two, just because of the volume of success that Phil Jackson has had um, winning titles with, you know, Jordan and then Kobe and Shaq. So, it's, it's more of a volume thing with, with Phil Jackson. Um, third would be Nick Saban, uh, cause he's the most dominant college football coach of all time. Um, so I would put those guys one, two, three, because in order of, you know, toughness in their sport or the sheer volume that they've gotten in championships. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the last two, I would say coach K and then Tony La Russa. Um, Coach K is definitely the best college basketball coach of all time, but he has been in waves of dominance, right? Like there hasn't been a point since Nick Saban's been at Alabama where people have questioned who the best coach in college football is, right?
0: Yeah. And, and where, th- where Alabama wasn't a top 10 team in the nation.
1: Exactly. Ever. And coach K, I mean, and that's just part of college basketball. He hasn't been that level of dominant at Duke. Um, I would argue Tony La Russa is not the best, uh, Manager of all time, so I would agree, yeah. I that's why he finishes fifth for me. I mean, I, he's probably going to get a lot of love because he's a Yankees manager and won a, quite a few World Series. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him the best baseball manager of all time. So that's why he finishes dead last for me. Yeah. But that would be my list.
0: Well, I think we're we're pretty similar. I definitely put Belichick at one. I would put Saban at two. Um, I've always been. I wouldn't say like a Phil Jackson hater, but like cautionary around when it comes to trying to rank Phil Jackson, because again, being a Knicks fan, yeah. you've, in my in my time and before my time, obviously as well, the main three teams that I know that he has coached or been a part of their front office was LA, Chicago, New York. Yep. It worked in Chicago. He had arguably the greatest player of all time, the greatest two of all time, and Dennis Rodman. Then he went to LA. Who did he have? Arguably another top three player of all time next to one of the most dominant bigs of all time. And it worked. And then we saw him get to New York. Obviously he wasn't the head coach. he was part of the front office and it fell apart. So my only thing with Phil Jackson is I've never seen the turnaround. I've never seen him win with a team that wasn't supposed to win. I've seen him dominate with the best player in the game, but what happens when you don't have Michael Jordan? What happens when you don't have Kobe Bryant? That's always been my thing. I try not to take that to the 10th degree and be like, Eric Spolster is better than Phil Jackson. Cause that's not what it's meant to be at all. But I don't know. I feel like that part gets kind of glossed over a little bit. And I always, I don't know. It's always been a a thorn in my side, I guess. Um, and then I agree. Coach K at four, Tony Lewis at five. Um, we're looking at, I mean, Saban's the best college coach. Belichick's the best NFL head coach. Phil Jackson's definitely up there, regardless of what you think. He's definitely top three. And then Coach K, probably the best college basketball coach of all time. He's definitely up there in the top three, top five as well. And then you look at La Russa and it's like, I mean, you're asking me to compare Tom Brady and Jerry Rice and Ray Lewis, and then the fourth player in there is like Shannon Sharp. And you're like, uh... I'm looking at the three guys that are at the top of their positions and a guy that's like decent. He's top ten in his position, but like definitely doesn't hold a candle to the others. Yeah. Also being a current White Sox fan and watching how he's managed Manage team this last year is definitely knocked him out of my top four for sure.
1: Well, and it's and it's tough too because like a lot of them have the sheer understanding of like, hey, we are the best of all time at our position right like without without question there is no question about nick saban there is no question about bill belichick there is no question about coach k or phil jackson excuse me coach k and tony la russa like there could be some arguments for other people i i would say coach k probably is it and then i would not say Tony la russa is probably a top five manager of all time i don't know if i would call him number one though um, i would agree with that yeah that's it's it's tough to, like, say that. But yeah, that, that's because the problem with baseball is, is a lot of the he's he's the best in the modern era. I'll say that.
0: Fair enough. Uh, baseball, has such a long history.
1: Yes. So and fair. I said he was a Yankees manager. He never managed the Yankees. I wanted to clarify that. I, after I know. said that, I realized that was wrong. But yeah, he never. I was thinking of Joe Torre. Um mm. La Russa never was a Yankees manager.
0: Fair enough. Next question comes to us from Devin I You kind of heard a little bit of the unreleased show last week, um, being good friends with Shay, He was able to kind of overhear the beginning part of that. And obviously there's been a lot of talk about Dan Mullen and Billy Napier and the Florida head coaching situation this offseason. So you talked about how you kind of didn't think that Dan Mullen was going to get fired and you didn't think he should have gotten fired right away. And obviously everyone wants to kind of hear our thoughts on Billy Napier's kind of recruiting trail because guy's been in the building for a month and he's at IMG Academy. He's out on the road getting recruits. He has a scheduled visit with Archie Manning, who has never even looked at Florida before he's gotten there. So there's a lot of Billy Napier recruiting news right now too. So kind of covering those two points, kinda what our thoughts were and all that jazz.
1: I'll say I'll say this. Let's start out with the recruiting because I think that's an easier and simpler topic. Mm -hmm. It's really cool to go after flashy reports and do things like that. You know what I mean? One, I don't think Archie Manning is going to Florida. I think he would be crazy to pick Florida. I I don't think I don't think he was ever going to LSU either. I think all of those were, you know.
0: Smoke screens.
1: Yeah. Just part of the fireworks show for those coaches to be like, oh see, Archie Manning's thinking about coming here. And you're like, yeah, there's no shot. You get him. Um yep. but I it it's easy. Yeah, it's it's always cool to like be like, oh, look at where our recruiting class is. I he hasn't shown enough to me as a coach to make me go, I believe in him. And he very well might prove me wrong, right? Like I am not saying he can't coach football. Um, <laughs> it's just the resume isn't as complete as you would look to hope for, for somebody who's taken over a major program like Florida. Cause I would say Florida has, you know, top 10 is one of the top 10 programs in the country, you know, of all time. If we're talking about it like that. Yeah.
0: All time for sure. And currently they should be, but they're not,
1: they're not. Yeah. They're, they're underperforming. Mm -hmm. Um, and the state of Florida has never been easier to recruit than now. I mean, Miami has been a mess. Florida state's been a mess. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of your major schools down there have just been an absolute disaster and yet they can't, can't pull it together. The reason that I was upset with the Dan, or do you want to talk about his recruiting?
0: I mean, I think it's interesting to see the stories come out, obviously, like you said, whether they're flashing the pins or not, you know, where Dan Mullen was the head coach for three years and never stepped foot in IMG Academy. And within a month, Billy Napier's in there, nabbing recruits left and right Their their recruiting classes went up a little bit here and there, but I do agree with you. It's a little too early to tell, but obviously a step in the right direction. Recruiting in college football is kind of like half your job. Um, if you can't recruit, you're not going to win. That's the bottom line. That's why Urban Meyer is also one of the greatest coaches of all time in college football is because he knew how to get guys in the door, and he knew how to keep guys as well. So, And I think another thing with Billy Napier, the thing that I've liked is they've been active in the transfer portal too because I think a lot of these guys, yeah. a lot of these coaches just are like, this guy's got four years of eligibility. He's coming out of high school. I want that kid instead of a guy that maybe only has two years left, but maybe way obviously is going to be way more polished than the kid you're going to get out of high school. And you might be able to get more out of those two years than you can get out of a kid coming out of high school in four years. You know, It's a lot less of a gamble. You know what you're getting. It, so it's he's been a, very yeah. active in the transfer portal as well, which I'm a fan of. So
1: I have mixed feelings about the transfer portal. The, the one thing I'll say is Nick Saban – doesn't have to be active on it because he's able to build his culture and have his players come in and understand, Hey, when it's your time to shine, you're more than likely going to be a first round draft pick. If your talent is truly to that level, I'm going to put you on a stage and put you in a position to shine. You know what I mean? Um, so like, I, I think there's, there's pros and cons to the transfer portal, right? Like using it can be flashy and you do, Sometimes you get hits, right? Like Jalen Hurts was was a huge success. So um, I, I can't knock the transfer portal too hard, but it just kind of depends.
0: Yeah, I can understand that, though. Yeah, 100%. So how do you feel about the, the Dan Mullen situation? It,
1: it, this is – and I had this feeling about Michigan for a long time. I feel this way about Miami currently. They fire too quickly. College football is not the NFL. It's not the NBA. Turnarounds don't happen immediately, right? Like it it takes time to build a program. And if you truly want to build a good culture with uh, the way you want to build it, you have to give somebody three, four or five years in order to do it. Um, And I get it. Dan Mullins was was underperforming in his fourth year. It, It wasn't looking great. But I don't know if I look at the new hire and go, "Wow, that's a significant upgrade." Yeah, now, and again,
0: and and that's it's all relative because you're okay with firing Brian Flores, but are you going to bring in an upgrade? Or right? You can't you can't fire a good head coach and then downgrade because you're twice the idiot at that point.
1: And and the thing is, is if Billy O'Brien gets a job, Dan Mullen's probably going right back to to work under Alabama, or you know what I mean, or he's yep. going to go somewhere. Um,
0: Definitely a possibility.
1: Sorry, he worked with Urban Meyer. But yeah, he's gonna go, he's gonna end up going somewhere. He's 49 years old. I just thought it was way, way too early. And I I don't know if this is an upgrade. Like Dan Mullins at least had a name that run a bell. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He had success in his first two years. They were 10 and 3, 11 and 2. Like there, there was signs of him being a capable coach. I don't know if I like the risk because yeah, if they fall apart, it's it's not gonna be a good look.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Um It's risky because I think the ceiling could be higher. I mean, everything we've heard about Billy Napier has been positive, but you're, it's, you know, you're throwing away a top 12 guy for a chance at a top five guy, but he could also be, you know, top 50 guy instead, you know? Yeah. took a much lower floor for a a, a barely a higher ceiling, which is never a good strategy.
1: Well, And if they had gone out and got a big name, I wouldn't have been upset by it. Right. Like I get when, you know, Hey, we're going to get an upgrade here. I'm, I'm always okay with that.
0: Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. It's all relative to what you bring in afterwards. Cause yeah, hundred percent.
1: That's that's yeah. I, it, it'll be relative to see, but if it were me in a million years, I never would have fired him. I would have kept him. But yeah,
0: it, it's literally, it's in the math of college football. You bring a kid in as a true freshman, that kid is most likely going to be there five years from now. If it's a top recruit, he's most likely going to get redshirted at some point. He will be there for at least five years. You had guys with COVID who'd been there for six years. So there's, there's no such thing as like, Oh, just a two year turnaround because that coach recruits guys in gets fired two years in. And then three years later, he's, you know, starting to turn around another school while his first recruiting class is about to graduate. It makes, There's no such thing as a quick turnaround. It doesn't happen.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: it's not the math.
1: For example, Dabo Sweeney, right. I think is, Mm -hmm. is normally a good, good one that I lean on four and three, his first season nine and five, six and seven after three years. Right. You'd look at that and be like, Oh, that's horrible. 10 and four. And they really didn't get it going until 2012 when they went, 11 and 2, 11 and 2, 10 and 3, 14 and 1, 14 and 1, 12 and 2, 15 and 0, 14 and 1, 10 and 2. Like, you got to give it time to develop and grow. If you just give up on a coach so early on, and I thought Dan Mullins was at least showing competence. You know, I, I didn't watch every Florida game, but.
0: Yeah, I, I had some issues with the personnel things. I think he was too tied to Emory Jones at certain points when Emory Jones was obviously just making horrible plays. And again, you don't bench your starter unless you feel like you got something with your backup, right? Yeah. Anthony absolutely. Richardson came in wearing number 15 at Florida, which I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched college football. Number 15 in the Florida Gator jersey carries some weight. Tim Tebow said, "Yeah, you can wear my number. That's fine. I like I think this kid's good." Tim Tebow came out watched three practices, went to Damon and said, "This kid's a generational talent. You need to get this kid on the field." Emory Jones goes out and has a mid-level year and it's costing Florida games. And what did, what did Dan Mullen do? He's like, uh, I don't know, man. I feel, you know, we're riding with Emory. Oh, we play Georgia next week. Yeah. Throw the, throw the freshman in, throw the true freshman in against the number one defense the league. It felt like a, it felt like a, a Matt and Nagy thing where like you yeah. started Andy Dalton and it wasn't going well. So he's like, Oh, we play, we play the Rams this week. I'll start Justin Fields. You're like, why? What are you? We played Jacksonville last week, and you're going to trot the rookie out against fucking LA.
1: Yeah. It, it makes was the same no thing. Yeah. They,
0: they played Vandy, and, you know, they scrape out, oh, you know, by a 10 point win or whatever it is. And then the next week, Emery's 50 50 to play, and they're like, oh, we'll run Anthony Richardson out against Georgia. Why not? Right. So there were some things that were questionable, but again, nothing that I would have fired him over,
1: most yeah. likely. Dan Mullins was 34 and 15 at Florida. I mean, we'll see in a couple years if if he's able to beat that out. He might. He might not. You know. I don't know.
0: Agreed. It is definitely going to be an interesting thing to watch going forward. Our last fan question comes to us from our good buddy Reed up here in Manhattan. Um, he asked, "Which AFC and NFC team would we like to see win the Super Bowl?" So, fan favorites. Obviously, we've trimmed the the field down a little bit now. But if you know, if it was your perfect world, who do you want to see the win Super Bowl? Now we're both unbiased at this point because both of our teams have been eliminated from playoff contention or the playoffs themselves. So who's, what's your pick? Who, if you know, if you could have a perfect world, who you want to see win from either side?
1: uh that's that's tough. I I would say out of the AFC right now, the Bengals are the most exciting team. Uh, I agree. I think they just play with such a swagger. I did pick the Bills kind of at the beginning of this. I said they were a sleeper Super Bowl team, and I and I truly believed it. They played like it. They did. They played like it. Um, I hate rematches in Super Bowls. I don't think they're as entertaining as people think. So I, I like. I'm an offense guy. So I want to see the two best offenses go at it that we possibly can get out of it. Um, so I think I would vote for. Bengals versus the Packers. I think that would be my ideal Super Bowl. That'd be a fun Super Bowl to watch. A little young, a little old. You know, you you've got some super high powered offenses with some some good defenses, not great. You know, so it'd mm-hmm. be entertaining.
0: I don't know. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I I'm sorry. I apologize to all our Chiefs fans. I know we have a lot and a couple buddies that are Chiefs fans. I don't want to see you back there. Uh, I hear enough about how much Patrick Mahomes is better than Lamar Jackson to start with. I don't need the ego growing tenfold at this point. Keep it to yourself. Uh, The Bills, I'd be okay with. Um, I think Josh Allen's kind of solidified himself as being better than Lamar Jackson. There was a lot of debates about that going into the year. I think that door is completely closed now, Super Bowl or not. Um, It's so hard to hate Joe Burrow, and I really want to, being in the division, obviously. But it's so difficult.
1: He's not, got some swag to him. He, for does. Sure.
0: he is he's got that underdog swagger that you just it's impossible to not like, man. Just um so honestly, if I had to pick, mine would probably be the Bills and I wouldn't mind seeing the Packers make it. Honestly, just about anybody but the Bucks at this point. I'm cool with the Niners. I have a lot of buddies that are Niners fans. I like the Niners a lot. Uh, I'm all good with seeing Stafford win a Super Bowl. I'm good with seeing Aaron Rodgers win a second one. I think Packers fans deserve it. I think the fact that they've had Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre for the last 25 to 30 years and they have two rings to show for it is a shame. That is...
1: I I wouldn't mind seeing the Packers win a Super Bowl. I really really wouldn't. And I wouldn't mind seeing Buffalo win a Super Bowl because last time they were in Super Bowls, it was brutally painful for them.
0: Agreed, yeah. So, I mean, as long as we don't see the two teams that made it the last... Last year, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm cool with just about anybody. To be honest anybody, I'd rather, yeah, rather not see Cincy there, just being in the division. But I'm not gonna. I'd much rather see them than Kansas City there, to be honest. you. Yeah. So that's gonna do it for our fan questions. You know, I, you know, nice and clean through there. Obviously didn't spend too much time here there yeah but before we get to our recap of wildcard weekend got some new ads for you guys this week and going forward we're gonna have a lot a lot more diversity when it comes to the ads a lot more new stuff so you guys are gonna hear about a lot of new stuff coming up so this first ad is going to come from uh, it's an anchor original podcast. A Better Utopia is an audiobook podcast full of dark adventures and magic. Follow the story of Sergeant Julian Dunn as he returns home from a hellish war to a country on its way to its own. Written by a veteran and father of four, A Better Utopia's goal is to entertain and make the listener think about their views of life without having to listen to a bunch of political BS. A Better Utopia also has a special episode coming up November 22nd, which takes a break from the story and goes behind the scenes and an in-depth perspective of the Better Utopia. So make sure you guys pop over to Anchor. Obviously, they take care of all of our podcasting needs, so they have their original shows that come out on their platform Feel free to check out those shows anytime, and if you ever feel like getting into podcasting, Anchor is always the way to go, your one-stop shop for your podcast needs. So, with that, into our recap of Wildcard Weekend. We did pick them last week. I know 99% of you guys did not hear them, so we're going to just kind of go through the picks as we talk about the games. Mm-hmm. Um, the spoiler, I went four for six Not terrible. We'll see which ones I got wrong. Tim did ace the perfect six for six last week. So congrats to you, sir.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Uh,
0: Definitely not too shabby at all. So let's start with our first game and take a look at this one.
1: Uh, Raiders Bengals. I would say definitely the game didn't disappoint. We called it. If you're going to watch a game, watch this game because it's going to be close and entertaining. And it most certainly was, um, I, Joe Burrow just balled out, man. I mean Jamar yep. Chase is is borderline unstoppable is what I would call him at this point. Um
0: This is the game we both had picked. We picked this one correct. We both had the Bengals here. And unless you're all in for the, the forty five to to not forty five stomps, this was the game of the playoffs, I think, so far? Um,
1: uh maybe maybe not. I think I think not. the game of the playoffs so far is coming up. But-
0: okay. Yeah. Yeah, There's
1: definitely right. a game that was more entertaining, but fair enough. It it was a close game. I would say Las Vegas was never fully out of it. Um,
0: the storyline here was fantastic as ever. Obviously, obviously, all props to the Raiders. Everything they went through, the fact that they made the playoffs, insanity. Yeah, kept this game close, and they're really a possession or two, a play or two away from being in the divisional round of the playoffs right now.
1: This is one of those games where. I wish, I wish that we got to see Las Vegas run the ball a little bit more than they did. Um Josh Jacobs looked back to, you know what I mean? Kind of what we were hoping he would be all season and he's shown flashes of being that good. Um, I wish they committed a little bit more to the run would be the only thing I wished out of that game. But far as Cincinnati goes, man, they, they had everything humming. Joe Mixon was running the ball pretty well. Um Jamar Chase was an absolute weapon. Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd was a weapon. Uh, T. Higgins disappeared a little bit, but that's, you know, that happens sometimes.
0: You know, being the fourth option in offense, that's that's bound to happen eventually.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um Yeah, I mean, I'm all for. I'm cool with the Bengals going forward. Um, I think If they feel like they're – obviously, your end goal is to win a Super Bowl every year. This is definitely the year to do it. I think it's more wide open than it usually is. The Chiefs have been out of sorts here and there. The Bills have been up and down. The Patriots are having a resurgence. And I don't think they're ever going to get out of the AFC North as easily as they did this year, Um, which is insanity to think that it came down to a Week 17, Week 18 game for them, considering how bad the division was this year, all in all.
1: The the other thing I'll kind of add to this is we're going to talk about a lot of first time head coaches in the playoffs and first time quarterbacks playing in the, the playoffs for the first time. These guys were th- kind of the exception to that rule. Um, yeah,
0: everybody else had one or the other that struggled. Yeah. These guys were hitting on all cylinders.
1: Yes. that Zach Taylor was was calling up a great game. Joe Burrow looked pretty much unfazed, honestly, for the most mm-hmm. part. Um yeah, overall just a a really good game. I'm happy for Cincinnati. They were hot kind of coming into this, so I think this is turning a good direction for them for sure.
0: Agreed. I think I think they have the matchups going forward cuz I think the thing that is going to slow them down right now is like superstars on the defensive side of the ball and the Titans really don't have many if any to be honest with you. They need yeah. uh there's going to have to be some stars in the secondary and the good news for them is that two of the three teams left outside of them don't have any.
1: So. We'll talk about that when we preview that game. But Agreed. yeah, we'll 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 deep dive into that, but yeah, I would say overall a good game. Um next game we got was probably the worst game of the playoffs was Pats versus Bills. Um this was up there, yeah. I I kind of saw this coming. I hate to say that. Um that's there's a reason I picked the Bills. Uh, for everyone who's saying Mac Jones has had a disappointing season so far, or this was a disappointing, you're crazy.
0: You're absolutely off your rocker
1: for a rookie QB to lead his team to the playoffs is one impressive. Did he play great in the playoff game? Absolutely not. But it's his first time getting to experience what this is like playing in the cold, you know, whether it's Buffalo or new England, something he's going to have to get used to and develop. Not everybody's going to be Tom Brady and the first time he's in the playoffs, he's going to win a Super Bowl. You know, that's just not possible. Um, And I'll I'll say this, too. It's the first time, I think, in in NFL history that uh, the Bills scored on their first seven possessions all touchdowns.
0: I think is the first perfect offensive game in NFL history. They scored a touchdown on every single drive except for the final drive, which ended in kneel downs, obviously, to end the and,
1: game. And, and at the halftime, they received a kick, and then they kneel down to end the half. But okay. Yeah. It was, so outside
0: yeah. of kneel downs, perfect perfect offensive game.
1: Yeah. I, w- I would say, I mean, it, it comes down to a couple of things. One, I think it, it begs the question of, can you win and not be special, right? Um, yeah,
0: that's the the biggest question to answer right now especially for the Patriots.
1: And and a lot of people are talking about it. Mac Jones has not looked special at any point in the season. He's looked like a competent QB and for a rookie that's great who's not going to lose you a game. Now the question is, do you think there's a next step to Mac Jones, you yeah, know what I mean? Is there a
0: ceiling to be had or are we already there?
1: Yes, exactly. I think I think that'll be the key going forward, but I think his season's been been beyond beyond what you could see um now kind of from the bills perspective i think josh allen proved what makes him special right i would 100
0: percent agree yeah
1: the guy looked like a combination of cam newton and patrick mahomes is really what he looked like he was just out there trucking people he wasn't afraid to run with the ball and man didn't slide that much and didn't take that many big hits because he's a big guy um yeah he is he, he, when he is hot, he has got to be, he has got to be up there in the top three, right? There, there's good and ugly with him, is the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the good is there, man, he, he's got to be one of the most talented QBs in the league. Yeah.
0: And that was the only thing. This is the one of the games that I got wrong. I picked the Pats in this game because just two, three weeks ago now, they played the Atlanta Falcons, and albeit the, the Buffalo Bills did beat the Atlanta Falcons. Josh Allen had 150 yards and three picks, no touchdowns, against one of the worst defensive units in the entire National Football League. And obviously no one heard it, but last week when we were kind of talking about this game, was I said, like, if, if Josh Allen shows up, yeah, this team is... Is everything that you said they were going to be? They're they're a dark horse, a dark horse Super Bowl team, and Josh Allen could honestly lead this team straight there with near to no help needed. But I was like, if if Josh Allen the played Atlanta shows up, Bill Belichick is going to eat him alive. Well, I don't know which Josh Allen showed up in in Atlanta, but he left that one at home. Uh, yeah, he definitely showed up in this game, and he gets all the credit in the world for getting them to the divisional round.
1: I will say Devin Singletary coming on and being able to run the ball has added that needed element that I yeah. think has elevated Josh to a next level because for most of the season, it felt like everything was on Josh Allen's shoulders. And since Devin Singletary's come on, it feels like it's loosened it up. It's opened the offense up. He's able to run a little bit more play action and things so, like that. So Singletary
0: hasn't even been great. He's just been marginal. They're like, hey, I mean, 60 carries on on 15 yeah. – Six sixty yards on fifteen carries are like good enough. Cause Josh Allen's gonna get a hundred on his seven carries. He's gonna throw for another three fifty. He's gonna get his four touchdowns, and we're gonna move on to the next round of the playoffs. And it works. Yeah. It works until it doesn't.
1: It it was nice to see some of the stars kind of shine for Buffalo too. Stefan Diggs, I mean only three catches, but averaging twenty yards a catch. It was he felt like a difference maker again. Emmanuel 100%. Sanders catching a touchdown. Um it, it it was a good game for Buffalo. If I'm a Bills fan, this is the most excited you you should be. Um, and, and we'll talk about their game coming up next week. But yeah, I I I I'm excited. If I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, I'm really excited. Hundred percent. All right, next one up. Next one up, we've got the Steelers versus the Chiefs. Uh, luckily, we both picked this one correctly
0: it's gonna be kind of uh, upset if either one of us <laughs> got this miss, one wrong this one up yeah
1: yeah that would uh that would be rough this is not one that it would have been embarrassing to get wrong I, I will say it was a good game you know um it, it was a good game until the second quarter started pretty much but yeah. um I I will say TJ watt is special you know he is he is one of those players and i hope the steelers become relevant because my gosh is that guy just a next level talent
0: he is an an animal if there ever was one yes looking at the steelers twice a year and seeing him on that defense is just not fun as a fan i'll tell you that much
1: um the, the thing that I'm excited about was this is peak Kansas city offense right here. Right. Yeah. So we have two offenses that came off of games where they absolutely shredded. Um, So I think a lot of the, you know, coming into it next week is going to be about defense, but I mean, Patrick Mahomes is, is still special. You know, if there was any, any doubt about it, he is still special. Um, And the same thing for the chiefs where, Jarek McKinnon uh, kind of came out of nowhere all of a sudden and is having himself a game, you know? yeah.
0: Jet McKinnon needs to be the starting running back for them going forward. Um, I think did he play in San Francisco before that? He did. He did play in San Francisco. He, there's another team he played. I think he played Minnesota as well. Um, he only spent like a year and a half at San Fran, and he worked well in that offense, and a lot of people kind of thought, well, it's Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's kind of hard to be a running back and not work. Um, hmm. But his, that, his juice in that game – proved to me that Claude Edwards-Solaire needs to slide to the second running back spot and kind of learn that, especially in the Kansas City pass-heavy offense, you, like, you have to keep your job. There is no such thing as a guarantee in that backfield because even through the three years that they've made the Super Bowl or made the AFC title game with Patty at the helm, I think they've had a different running back in every single one of those games. Yeah. Albeit yeah. injuries here and there, COVID here and there. Still, nonetheless, the thing is, is they've had a running back in each spot, and all three of those running backs were difference makers. And I think in the Super Bowl that they won, Darrell Williams honestly should have been the Super Bowl MVP. It's very hard to give one to a running back, but when you watch that game back, his impact on that game was profound. And I have Chiefs fans, like buddies of mine, that are like, Patty played so bad. In that game. And up to date, that was probably one of the worst games they'd seen him play. And Darrell Williams carried them in that win to the Super Bowl. So it's time for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to learn that first-round pick or not, you could get bumped in this offense pretty easily. Yeah. And, again, I agree with you. Patty, special as ever. Not only five touchdowns in the game, five touchdowns at a 10-minute stretch in the third and fourth quarter. Yeah. Absolutely insanity.
1: Just just caught caught fire, and then the fourth quarter it was just cruise control. At that point, honestly,
0: hundred um, percent.
1: If if both of those teams performed like they performed last week, man, we're in for a special game next week. Um, yeah. No all right. Next game we got is Eagles Bucks. Uh, another one that I'm glad we predicted correctly as well. So yeah,
0: I'm glad we didn't overthink this one. 100%.
1: Yeah. Uh. The biggest takeaway that I had from this game is uh, I I had two big takeaways. One, Philadelphia set themselves up for failure. And this is one of those moments that we were going to talk about with, you know, uh, first time coaching in the playoffs for a head coach. Mm -hmm. The recipe for Philadelphia to win was not for Jalen Hurts to throw the ball 43 times. I'll tell you that right now. Like that, that could not, that should not be in the game plan. 30 at most is really is really your recipe for success. So, yeah, agreed. Um outside of Jalen Hurts, they ran the ball 9 times, which is just absurd. I don't I I have no idea what the thought was there.
0: He, he ret- Nick Sirianni returned to his up to like week 5 play calling when they were one and four. He went back to that playbook for some reason.
1: Yeah, just just absolutely fumbled the bag. I mean, they have special weapons, but they need to develop the running game in order to set up that passing offense. And it just was not there.
0: And I could see a little bit where Sirianni is coming from. The Bucks, obviously being one of the better, if not the best run defense in the league, trying to play away from that and not run into that. But that is that I think the lesson that needs to be learned there from Sirianni is if you're the best rush offense going against the best rush defense, you have to trust your offense you yeah. cannot go away from what works. I don't care if 85 bears on the other side, you better run the damn ball. And when they stop it, okay, we'll make Jalen Hurts throw 40 times. They've turned us one dimensional. It is what it is. But if you come out and just throw it 40 times and you don't run it, you've handed the game away already. It's over. They, they, yeah. they turned you one dimensional in film study. They didn't even need to see you on the field to do it. And they, that they, is hundred percent. The rookie coach. Mistake. Yeah,
1: I I agree. The, the second element I'll say is what Tom Brady is able to do. This is this is peak Tom Brady Patriots performance right here. Uh, their leading rusher was kashan Vaughn.
0: Yeah, he's um, a rookie, like sixth round, fifth round pick, something like that.
1: To quote the broadcast, boys, that makes you just want to go, who? Like, who? you know, who? Agreed. You know, um, great caller. Giovanni Bernard uh, was also a big factor in this game. I think he peaked like four years ago in Cincinnati. So yeah.
0: um, <laughs> I'll tell you this: that if Leonard Fournette does not come back, Giovanni Bernard is going to explode for 200 all-purpose yards somewhere in the postseason. It's going to happen. Do you think so? Is, yeah, like he is the definition of like, especially if like fantasy playoffs are still going on. This is the league record. Like the week 18 ad the championship game, and he's just 50 bomb out of nowhere. You're like. What the hell just happened? He'll have 80, 88 on the ground and a touchdown, and he'll have two touchdowns and one hundred and twenty receiving yards. It'll be yeah.
1: Insane. I I think Bernard works well for Tampa Bay just because he can catch out of the backfield, and Tom Brady loves that. Yeah. But it's classic. It's it's Tom Brady elevating his outside weapons, right? So he had his two comfort weapons. He had Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, yep. who both had solid solid games. Exactly what you were looking for out of them. Um. And then he was able to elevate everyone else, put them in positions to succeed, know when to hit him, know when to use it. Um, Man, if you are sleeping on Tampa Bay, I'll tell you what, you might regret it in the long run because with that roster to win that handedly, I'm not saying the Eagles are anything too crazy difficult, but that was still an impressive game out of Tom Brady.
0: agreed 100%. We just go for a reason, man.
1: Yes, is. that is At true. At a certain
0: point, you got, and I think that's honestly that's probably the number one thing that I've heard coming into the postseason was, no, maybe the number two thing. Pittsburgh is going to get bounced first round. That was obviously the number one storyline. Number two was Tom Brady's not making it back to the Super Bowl. I think those are the two things that I heard the most honestly this last week and a half. And I think you're sorely mistaken if you're going to count the goat out that quick.
1: Yeah, I I don't I don't 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 sleep on him. They pre- he always does better when he's the underdog. Anyways, so he'll probably True. love it. Um, next game, forty ers and cowboys. So is
0: this, is this the one you're talking about? Most exciting right here.
1: This was the best game of the week by far. Yeah, um, the
0: finish is undoubtedly. Do you want
1: do you, do you want to start there? We can just start there. Yeah, I um, I
0: think that's what everyone wants to hear us talk about. Um, okay. Because we'll, we'll talk about this for 30 minutes and then we'll get to the end goal of why that moment doesn't matter, at least in my mind.
1: Okay. Why Why do you – I mean – So, so this whole moment,
0: it. everybody's talking. Obviously, we're talking about the QB draw on, on second and one at the 40-yard line with 12 seconds left. Can't get a playoff. You know, game ends. Boom, over with. Dallas is going home. Lose a home playoff game to the underdog 49ers. So obviously everyone's issue is why you're running there. I had a lot of Cowboys fans like Dak just took off, you know, the Red Seas parted. No, pretty close after the game, Mike McCarthy said that was a design play call. We called that play it
1: was On a purpose. QB draw
0: play. That was that was a play call. It wasn't a Dak improvised moment. I think obviously everyone's thinking, why the hell are we running a QB draw in this spot? I will come to the defense first before I tear it down. I don't think it's a terrible play call, to be 110% honest with you. Um, Obviously, it didn't work, and it's going to be looked on as a terrible play call. I think the thing that makes it a, a horrible, it takes it from like a questionable call to a bad call, is the fact that that is not a facet of the Dallas Cowboy offense. I want someone who watched every single game or someone to go back and watch every single game. You can watch the preseason. How many times is that play called for a quarterback draw up the middle? Yeah, I would, I would bet money that it, it's ran zero times and I'd bet my life that it was under five. So it doesn't get called. It's not part of their offense.
1: I, I'm going to, I agree with you, but I disagree with you with your reasoning. So your general concept is right. Um, I don't think it's the worst play call. Um, but I think it's, I, it's a bad play call for different reasons. Right. So yeah. 49ers on the two previous two or three previous plays weren't defending the outside. Right. So Dak was able to go outside, get out of bounds, outside, get out of bounds. Right. Finally, the 49ers switched to an outside formation. So now they're going to defend the, the outside the numbers. Right. So now you have to either, you know, go for it or make a big play. If there was more time on the clock, I think that's the best play call, right? Because yeah. trying to throw a sixty-yard hell mary as Dak Prescott is tough, and they don't necessarily have a big physical receiver that's going to go be able to go. You know, if you have Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski,
0: yeah,
1: I'm okay heaving one up because you know you got some big, you got basketball players. Whereas they run, you know, more undersized guys. Like Ceedee Lamb isn't isn't that guy. Mark they have Cooper's, route runners. Yeah, they have more route runners than anything. Right. Mm-hmm. So if there was more time, I think was the problem. The fact that there was 14 or 13 seconds left was the issue with the play. Um, if there was 20 seconds, I think that's the best. I think that's an awesome play call. Yeah. Because now you take it from 60 to 50, and it's a doable Hail Mary, whereas before it was, you know, it's a tough spot to be in.
0: And it was a 17-yard run. It got him to, I think it was like the 35 or the 40-yard line. So you're loading up for a deep throw. The The reason that I have the issue with the play call is – like if Lamar Jackson runs that column somebody that runs that play, like that is in the playbook. They know how long it takes. Like, you know, how quickly, like right. it's just, you're putting Dak in a situation with 12 seconds on the clock that he has never been in, in his career. And right. you're like, Hey, here's a play that we've literally never called. And I know there's 12 seconds on the clock. Man, it's the situation you're, a l- you're setting him up for failure.
1: So, so the thing I'll say about it, and again, I think your, your thought is right, but you're wording it wrong is so they're, they're different, right? So Lamar can make that play over the middle work where Dak isn't that good of an athlete. Is it, it's very rare that that situ- that defense is going to appear, right? So I'm not <laughs> surprised. He hasn't seen it in game the thing that disappoints me is McCarthy called the play and they were underprepared for it in practice, right? Yeah. Agreed. So that's – so that's it's definitely ma- an
0: issue as well.
1: It's more about the practice side of things that, you know, they didn't look ready for it and then how to handle it more so in the practice side because in the regular season, very rarely are you going to see, you know, cover six with outside number, you know what I mean, with them guarding yeah. the out-of-bounds the out marker. So. Agreed. Him running it during the season is fine. I'm not, I'm not, that doesn't bother me. It's just the fact they made the play call and they were underprepared for it in in the, in the practice. So, yeah.
0: practice or regular season, they weren't prepared for the call. So, that covers yes. the play call issue that we have here. Yes. The second part, everyone's like, the referee delayed it. You know, he came up, he had to move the ball, he bumped back in the center offline, they couldn't get the snap off. Cool. Okay. Fair enough. I'll agree with you. I don't agree with you, but I'll agree with you for the sake of the argument. The refs cost you the game. Oh, oh, woe is me. I can't believe that the refs cost Dallas Cowboys another game. The Niners did not eat like, cause you know how late game situations are late half situations are you run the ball. Somebody tackles you. They're going to lay on you for an extra half second. They're going to, oh, I tripped over him getting up all teams do this all the time. Oh, we ran a, we ran a draw play with 10 seconds left, no timeouts. The defensive tackles, you know, a little bit slower to get up. They, the, the Niners defense hopped straight back up, got into position. There was no attempt to, to delay Dak from getting up and getting the ball in the right spot at all. So even if the ref didn't like the Niners defense could have easily done it as well. They just didn't. Um, I'll take
1: your argument a step further. So even if they get to, get the snap off, and they get one more shot, it's still a 40-yard Hail Mary chance. Agreed. What are the odds that that lands? You know what I'm saying? So I I think that is said. And and we have said this before, and I will drive home this point, and I will continue to always believe in this point. Whenever a game comes down to the wire, I'm going to look and say, did you do everything possible before that moment came up?
0: Thank you for taking the words out of my mouth
1: to score 7 points in 3 quarters and then go up oh, the refs lost us the game in the last 3 minutes. Maybe if you had a a competent, not even a good offense, a competent offense for 3 quarters, you'd have more than one touchdown against yep. the 49ers, who aren't a special defense by any means, you know.
0: They're so- solid, they're a well-coached unit, but nothing that should like it's a defense that scares me a little bit. But not if I'm the Dallas effing Cowboys. Not if I have Dak Prescott, Zeke, Ceedee Lamb, Amari Cooper, Blake Jarwin, Dalton Schultz. Like I have names. I have guys. I have Tony Pollard. All these guys. Michael Gallup. I have. I have names upon names that I could pull out of the hat. This is not a defense that should bother me at all. So I agree with you. Again, being ill prepared for a game, not being prepared. Practice. 14 penalties. Like six or seven false starts. You are at home. Can you imagine if they had to go to Lambeau how many false starts this team would have had in this game? Oh my God.
1: Well, the fake punt being successful and then getting the delay of game right after it. You're like, yeah. what in the hell is happening? Do I'm gonna, gonna take
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna take a shot of speed and get real amped up, and then I'm gonna go take a nap. Just kills right. the momentum, right? What do you come on? What are I, we doing I, here?
1: I don't understand. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll get into the whole Mike McCarthy stuff here. Um, but yeah, that that is it's just absurd. It was bad coaching, man. There there's no reason to lose that game.
0: I don't know if it was a McCarthy play call or if it's a Kellen Moore play call. It was bad nonetheless.
1: Yeah. I I yeah, it was I I don't know. If you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, that is not a game that you walk away and go, at least we tried. Like, you have to be embarrassed, you know?
0: You are embarrassed. And I apologize to all Cowboys fans out there. I know it's sting. the wounds are fresh. I know that every reporter on national television, on the radio, on Instagram, trolls everywhere are just rubbing the salt in it. Yeah. But. At some point, you got to take the salt out of your own wound. You got to rub it in Jerry Jones' face and make him do something about the situation. Make Mike McCarthy do something about the situation. We did
1: predict this game correctly. We both went 49ers. I did say it would be a close game. I thought it would come down to like a game winning field goal. So I was kind of close, but I I give
0: you credit for it. It It, came down to a game winning play. Yeah. Half
1: half credit, you know, half credit there. Half a point. Um, uh, let's let's talk about the next game here, Rams versus Cardinals. Uh, Monday night game. Monday night game, which first time in NFL history, we've had a Monday night playoff game and the Manning cast was on. Um, how, thank how thank you, God.
0: Yeah, I agree with the Manning cast being a thank God. How do you feel about having a Monday night football playoff
1: game? I, I don't like it. I I,
0: I, I hate, hate it. it. I'm glad we agree on that. I think it's I, horrible.
1: I, 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 yeah, I, it, so tell me how it's fair that the Bucks go out and then they played on Sunday, right? Or do they yeah. play Saturday? They played Sunday,
0: played Sunday in an early afternoon game.
1: Yeah. And then the Rams have to play Monday night. So they're a day and a half behind in prep. I, I don't like the concept of it at all. Um, unless you were going to do another round of Monday night games, which d- makes no sense, but
0: they could have just slid it right into the Sunday one o'clock spot. There's nobody played early in the window. I,
1: I have no idea why they did it that way. It made little, It made no sense. I, I think it's honestly the more primetime games you get, standalone games, the better the ratings are. It's all about money, right? That's what it comes 100%. down to.
0: Yeah, it's the only thing it was about.
1: From a fairness standpoint, I don't think it's very fair. Um, yeah,
0: I think it was horrible as far as fairness goes. Yeah. All but, right. The game itself.
1: Yeah, the game itself. This is kind of what we talked about earlier. So you had... A first-time head coach in the playoffs with a first-time quarterback in the playoffs, right? So Cliff Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray there versus a coach who's coached in the Super Bowl with Sean McVay and... Matthew Stafford, who's played in three previous games in the playoffs before this one and was 0-3 for those.
0: Maybe never won any playoff (laughs) games, but he's been there a couple times. He knows what a loss tastes like. And if nothing else, he's definitely a seasoned vet in the regular season.
1: Exactly. And I think that's what that game came down to. I think that's what it summed up. I mean, the Kyler Murray pick six there was just absolutely ugly. Um, They just looked... They just looked like they, they were still in Arizona. You know, they yep. didn't they didn't show up to play. That's they what it not, really felt yeah. like.
0: They didn't put the pads on. Nothing. This is the other game I got wrong. So again, Tim six for six. I, I picked the pats on the cards was my downfall. We'll see how we do next week. But I agree that the Cardinals didn't get off the plane. they didn't they didn't get off the plane. They didn't board the plane. They didn't pack their bags. They yeah. nothing was nothing was ready. The Rams boxed Kyler Murray, that run game up and said, beat us through the air. And guess what? The Cardinals couldn't do. They couldn't beat, beat him beat through the air.
1: I'll say this. I mean, the Cardinals since losing DeAndre Hopkins haven't been the same level of offense as they were beginning in the year. Um, and I,
0: I saw a hot take the other day. And of course it was on TikTok. So take it with a grain of salt. But mm-hmm. someone was like, DeAndre Hopkins is not a top five receiver in the game. I was like, just cause he's not playing does not mean he's out of the like right now yeah cuz he's hurt okay cool like
1: we've, we've talked about this before the what is a top 10 wide receiver is so fluent and so interchangeable i think and it is
0: by far the position that fluctuates the most it
1: is and then people I, like the hardest thing to understand is like well what time frame are we talking about are we talking about right now sure i guess you could argue that because he hasn't played half the season you know what i mean like yeah but if we're talking in general over the last 3 or f- 5 years, I would still say he's a top 5 wide receiver. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just it's just one of those things that people wanna like for some reason they wanna put a label on it and it has to be, you know what I mean? I think it's yeah. all for attention, but
0: And and also props to Props to the Rams. They played a clean game. I think the biggest thing that I've seen from Stafford in the last four games, they've not only has the Rams struggled, Stafford has struggled. He's had yeah. like six or seven picks in the last three or four games, and I I bet the over on his interceptions at one. He had he's predicted the half, you know, the half interception. I was like, I'll definitely throw the one. Came out and played a clean game. Prove me yeah. wrong.
1: I think I think McVay, and this is why I, I ultimately picked the Rams, is because McVeigh put a, together a better game plan, right? He oh. said, hey, we're going to pound the rock. So, Sony Michelle, Cam Akers, congratulations on Cam Akers for being a what super a, freak at What human. an
0: absolute animal, dude. Yeah, to Holy come hell. back from
1: that in one season is just absolutely incredible.
0: I want Baltimore to trade for him. I need <laughs> a running God. back like that.
1: <laughs> oh, no, I'm not even <laughs> going to comment on that.
0: Bounce back from a long-term injury?
1: But, but yeah, I think uh, it's honestly impressive that game plan they put together because they didn't put it on Matthew Stafford's shoulder. So there wasn't an opportunity for him to blow it. And when he had to make big plays, he did. And it worked. It just 13 for 17.
0: That's a recipe for success.
1: Yes. For him at least, yeah. For not, yeah.
0: not for everybody. He, he can go out and throw forty times Stafford is one of the QBs I could see throwing forty times in a game and get me win. Not in the last three to four games. No, hell no. I don't want the ball in his hands. Right. But that's what I think this is McVeigh being like, All right, we gotta take it slow. This is the guys we've played these guys twice. We we've split the series. We know how these guys play. Follow the game plan, build the confidence. Let's go win next week and let's go win another football game. And that's what they did.
1: Yeah. This was this was a good confidence builder for them. I think, you know, hopefully Stafford becomes, you know, more comfortable with everything. So yep. I I I think this was this was overall a great game for them.
0: We're on to Tampa Bay, right? That's that's how they're feeling right now.
1: On on to the next one,
0: right. So before we get into our headlines portion here, another quick ad from you guys, for you guys, not from you guys, for you guys, from Kiwico. Uh, KiwiCo believes that creative confidence helps kids think big and act like creators and producers instead of just consumers. KiwiCo had a deep appreciation for creative hands-on projects that encourage this kind of thinking. But as most parents and as a parent, most often found that my best intentions fell short. It was tough to find the time to do the research and come up with a great idea, let alone gather all the materials. KiwiCo was created to celebrate kids' natural creativity and curiosity while helping parents who want to bring enriching experience to their children. KiwiCo wants to make it fun, easy, and delightful for families to spend time building, exploring, and creating together. And ultimately, we hope that the problem-solving skills and creative confidence that kids gain today will help them tackle the challenges and opportunities of tomorrow. Since its inception, the KiwiCo team Has grown. They've added creative designers who dream up the projects, valued experts who review them, and a community of kid testers who keeps us on our toes and ensures the projects are fun and engaging. KiwiCo is excited to have the opportunity to deliver these experiences to the creative kids in your life. So, if you got a young one running around, I know I do nowadays. So, definitely something that I'm going to look into going forward. I was an advanced kid growing up and the more you can keep a kid stimulated, the better they're off going to be. That they're going to stay out of trouble, and also it just helps you set them up for life later on. It's a lot more work to kind of you know try to get your kid a leg up, but I think the benefits much outweigh the the work that you have to put in. So into our headlines, um, this is tough because obviously not having a show last week, it's iffy on what we want to try to fit in here or there. Obviously, we have some breaking news that happened this last week. Yeah. But how do you, how are you feeling? Do we want to try to, to To like dive into some of the old stuff? Just spark note last week of what everybody kind of missed or what, what they missed us talking about, I guess.
1: We can, why don't we, let me pull it up first real quick. But why don't we talk about, let's, we can, we can talk about them, but let's talk about them in quick synopsis. So we won't okay. talk about who they interviewed or, you know, who we would hire or anything like that necessarily. Gotcha. Let's, let's just talk about a reaction to that person losing their job. If you Fair will, enough. does that make sense?
0: Yeah. that works.
1: We'll, we'll start out uh, with the old ones from last week.
0: Okay. Do you want me to, I've got my, my black Monday list pulled up here.
1: Oh, well that's great for you, you, but I, I don't.
0: I will say if you want me to run, I can run.
1: Uh, let's, let's, let's react to Brian Flores being fired by the
0: Dolphins. Okay. Obviously the biggest name, the biggest surprise. There's always a surprise on black Monday. This is the one, um, this is one of those firings where, uh, it, it was a connection thing. He didn't really have a personable relationship with some people. I think it's a dumb reason to fire someone, but here we are. Um, and again, I think this also comes down to what are you going to replace him with? You, you're you fired a guy that took one of the worst rosters in the NFL to two winning seasons and made the playoffs in one of the two years and you canned him. Now you have to follow it up with something, somebody that's going to at least say the same, if not get better.
1: Yeah, I, I would say, I'll say this, uh, you have to have a significant upgrade. Otherwise it's a fail, right? So hundred percent, um, if, if they don't get someone who makes it the playoffs next year, I think it's an absolute disaster and and they've messed up badly. Um, or it has to be a huge name, like real, like really, really big name. Yeah. And the only person you're
0: okay with letting, you know, build for an extra year.
1: The only person I can think of is Jim Harbaugh. I think he's the only person that makes any remote sense that, you know what I mean? Would be a big enough swing where it'd keep them interesting at the very least.
0: I would agree. Um, I, I, yeah, I would agree. I don't think there's another head coach that moves the needle um, enough. And I think another thing they put themselves at a disservice by basically coming out and saying, if you're going to be the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, you're handcuffed to a tag of And I don't think a lot of people are going to be excited about that prospect.
1: I don't think so either. And I think there's there's,
0: nothing draws you to Miami from a football aspect. Nothing. There's not a single thing where I'm like, I love that about the Dolphins.
1: Nothing. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think the move makes any sense. If, if any, I don't think it makes any sense at all. Honestly, I, I yeah. struggle with it. I, I think it's a power struggle move and those never end well, right? Like now whenever you're in that situation where a GM is struggling for power over the head coach and you, you know, get rid of one and keep the other, it never, never ends pretty, you know, it
0: never pans out for either side. And, I'll always run the side of – there's been many a times in NFL NBA history that head coaches have been promoted into the front office and done both jobs at the same time. When's the last time you heard of a front office guy getting promoted down and also being the head coach? Right. Never happens. Head coaches are much more important to your team's success. And like I said, for a guy that took – one of the worst rosters I've seen put together. Like I watched Lamar Jackson throw five touchdowns on this defense in week one. They ended seven and nine that or I think they ended nine and seven that year. I was like, I don't know. Like week one, I was like, This is might be the worst roster ever assembled in NFL history. And, and he took that team to the playoffs.
1: Yeah. So I it, it, it makes no we're sense. We're both
0: baffled by the move. So
1: yeah, he's going to be a hot candidate to watch on the market because he, if he wants to coach next season, he'll be coaching next season. I promise he'll, you that.
0: He will 100% be head coach in the NFL next year.
1: Yes. Um, next one we had was Dave Gentleman and Joe Judge being fired by the Giants. um State, Yeah, I mean, no surprise there.
0: Writing was on the wall for a while. <laughs>
1: I think Joe Judge probably worked himself out of the job the last week of the season um, between his with, press conference and the bizarre play calling.
0: Yeah, the the press conference definitely didn't help, but the two quarterbacks sneaks inside your own five-yard line on second and third down definitely, to me, was the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Uh, as much as that seems like such a small thing, I have never in my life seen a coach give up on his team as much as Judge did in that game.
1: Yeah. That is that is one of those games that I'm not I wish I could say I was surprised. But yeah, no, it I thought maybe they'd keep judge because they talked like they're going to keep Judge and Jones um, for one more season. And I think he just worked himself out of that job. I think he made yeah. too many mistakes and pushed <laughs> himself out.
0: I, I think in week 14, the the owners and, you know, obviously everybody outside of Gettleman was like, it's your job to lose. And then he was like, OK, OK, I'm gonna go cool. <laughs> All right. <bat. laughs> uh, watch me. Mm-hmm. Fuck this up. And he did. So here it's, we are.
1: My favorite meme that's going around right now is the 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 Comedy Central show or the true TV show. What what's it called? The where the three guys, the the, the impractical jokers hmm. and where they're like, Okay <laughs> now blow up the team and lose your job. And then it's like them <laughs> like laughing when they do it. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, like
0: now, now run a QB sneak on third and nine. nine yeah. And then it's just them dying. Yeah. Dying. 100%. Cause they're like, what? And I was like, yeah,
1: that's a good meme. I've seen that, that, that one with
0: Dak, the, the Dak drop the middle too.
1: And that, yeah, now call it drop the middle. Right. Yeah. Jesus.
0: Now call it drop the middle with no timeouts. <laughs> it fits,
1: it fits, it fits. It's, it's been a good meme. Um, Matt Nagy, Ryan pace fired. The least surprising, I think. I was like, no,
0: change my answer. Most shocking move right here. 100%. Yeah,
1: this is this is the one that everyone saw coming. Honestly, they thought it was going to happen around Thanksgiving. I yep. think they just try to keep it together until till now. So I no, agree. no surprises unless, there.
0: Unless you had the candidate in-house that you were going to promote, firing a head coach in the middle of the season, other than in like an Urban Meyer situation off the field, never benefits your team.
1: Yeah. At least in the immediate future, so I, I think yeah. it, it, it. It if anything, it keeps Justin Herbert at a smaller result of how many head coaches he's had. So Justin Fields. Justin Fields. What did I say? Herbert. Yep. Yeah, Justin's. Yeah, they're all the same. You know. Yeah, that's what it is. But I, at least surprising. We don't have to spend much time on that one. Um, no,
0: they're They're going to be. They've They've interviewed quite a few people. They're going to be a top spot. They have a quarterback. They have a decent defense. They have a couple weapons here and there. The, the bears are definitely a spot. I think that's a top three opening. I
1: opinion. think, I think once we get through our reaction, we'll, we'll rank the Talk jobs the here. Opens. Yeah. Yeah. Fair let's enough. let's, we'll, we'll go through and rank them here. Fair um, enough. Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer being fired by the Vikings. Again, I wish I could say I, it just felt like it was time for change. You know, I don't think Zimmer coached himself out of the job, but it just felt like this team has kind of been the same for a while.
0: Yeah. It reminded me of, a. Who's the longtime coach of the Bengals before Zach Taylor got there? I can't uh, Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis. It feels like a Marvin Lewis. It feels like a Baker Mayfield situation at quarterback. Like I feel like Zimmer might still have a coaching career somewhere, but mm-hmm. the change of scenery was needed. It wasn't going to happen in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, they they have come out and said that we are focused on finding a GM and we will we're going to replace Spielman and then we will worry about our head coaching vacancy. So they are much more worried about getting a GM at this point, which with guys like Brian Flores and Doug Peterson on the market, I don't know how I feel about it, but the the change was needed. So we'll see what happens with them going forward.
1: They have started interviewing coaches already. Yeah, they so, have. So they're not waiting too long to where they're going to shoot themselves in a foot, but um, yeah, it'll be, it'll <laughs> be still interesting. Possible. Um. Vic Vangio fired by the Broncos. I, I, This one was more surprising, I think, for me than it was for you. Yeah. Um, I I would be very weary of this job for whoever's next just because the ownership's about to change and most of the time ownership comes in and fires the next person. Yeah, clear so I, I was a little surprised that they fired him because I was like, you're just setting up the next... It's going to be hard to attract a good candidate because yeah. of that fact. Agreed. So I, I don't know what the game plan was there. I, it, I mean... I thought he coached the heck out of this team because they've always felt a quarterback away. You know, that's, that's for, what we always say about them. better
0: part of seven years since Peyton Manning is retired. Yeah. They have felt like they were a quarterback away and props to them, to John Elway and whoever's taken over the GM spot in the last two years, that they are still only a quarterback away. I think that's a huge testament to their front office and what they're able to do with the rest of the roster. But also, Justin Fields and Mac Jones were on the board at pick nine, and yeah, Patrick Sustains a lockdown corner and has a chance to be a top five corner in this league in the, here in the next three to four years. But Bryce Callahan and Kyle Fuller were on the roster. You had you had the best slot, one of the best slot corners in the game in Bryce Callahan, which this, that move allowed him to move into the slot and play his natural spot. But now, you know, it's just it's one of those what if situations. You know, right? They've had yeah. a top ten pick three times. Since Peyton Manning retired and they have spent none of those picks on quarterbacks and they've taken Paxton Lynch in the first round and Trevor Simeon in the seventh. Both of those guys have started games. Yeah. So Um, I do agree. Uh, Buyer be wary.
1: Yes. That that's going to be an interesting one to see who ends up landing that Um, next, next one. uh, Mike Mayock being fired. I know that's probably a little disappointing for you, especially given some of your hot takes earlier in the year, but yeah, I, I I I think this is a sign that the they're going to completely start over. New new head coach, new team.
0: Yeah, which sucks, man. It really sucks. I feel like their their interim coach, Rich Rich. Uh, what's his last name? Uh, I can't ask. Besacchi, yes, Bisacci, yep. Like yep. I feel like he's coached himself into a year as a head coach. Now maybe now, okay. I like what the Raiders are doing to a certain degree because they said we're going to interview him. We're going to interview coaches. He's going to be a high candidate for us as yeah. he should be. Now, if I'm getting Brian Flores and Doug Peterson through the door, I'd be like, okay. But if if I'm seeing the top names flying off the board and I'm looking at a, a Nathaniel Hackett or even a Jonathan Gannon, I don't. If it's not one of the Tampa coordinators, one of the, um.
1: Dallas coordinators. Dallas
0: coordinators. Mm-hmm. Peterson or Flores. I'm keeping – I would have kept uh, Basagi for another year. Apparently Gerard
1: think, Mayo is the leading candidate, but
0: – Yeah, which is – he He was also interviewing for the, the Denver job, so we'll see. He sounds like he's going to land in the AFC West at this point. but <laughs> Somewhere. I, I don't know. I, I think it was a disservice, and I think Mayoc would have another job in the NFL as a GM this offseason but I think he's going to go back to TV. That's where the money is.
1: I, I don't think he'll have, I I don't know. I don't think he'll get another chance. I mean, he he's done a better job than I feel like people are giving him credit for. I, I agree. I, That's I why st- I was so
0: surprised when he got canned.
1: I still feel like those first round picks being bust. I mean, and that was the main reason they listed for letting him go. I feel like that was all Gruden. I, yeah,
0: there was reports that came out and literally said, like if I could find it on the internet from a reliable source, like, there's got to be some truth to the matter in the building. Like, if I can figure it out and I know it, why the hell does the ownership not know it? If, 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 <laughs> I don't know. I'm just shocked that you bring in a guy off TV to pair with this polarizing coach for 10 years. The coach gets let go for unforeseen off the field issues. And yeah, we haven't hit in the draft. Yeah, cool. John Gruden's taken care of our first and most of our second round picks and Mayox came in and handled the late day two, day three stuff. Guess what? Max Crosby was a fourth-round pick. They have a starting guard this year that led, that was part of that playoff O-line. He was drafted in day three. Nate Hobbs, who was like the third-best corner in this year's rookie class behind Pat Tan, who went at pick nine. He was a fifth-round pick. Yeah, Their best draft picks have came in the late rounds. So I feel like they're just kind of looking for a scapegoat. And, and I'm all for it. If they bring in a new head coach, I think it's probably a, a solid deal. Like you said, never a huge fan of a team firing one and keeping the other. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I, I've been
1: a big proponent of if you fire one, I would get rid of both personally. That's just I how agree. I would run, run my organization.
0: Uh, that's kind of how I feel the same way.
1: The only thing that's making me question the Mayock firing is there's probably people, you know, cause they haven't you know, officially interviewed some people, but I'm sure there's feelers out with agents and stuff like that. I'm sure there was some hesitancy around Mayock around the head coaching candidates they wanted to go get. And that's probably the problem.
0: Yeah. And there's also a possibility that they're trying to completely wipe the slate clean from the Gruden era, which unfortunately for Mayock, he falls in that, that category.
1: So So I can see that as well most of the time when an NFL team hires a GM or a coach, they already have a short list of people they've worked with in the past. And they go, this is someone I'd want to work with again. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's that connection there with Mayock outside of Gruden. There really isn't, you know, he was a scout for a little bit, but he spent he most of his GM. Yeah. He spent most of his time on TV. So
0: yeah, there was no head coach that's had rapport with him.
1: Yeah. Uh Moving on the David Coley getting fired. Another one that just made, I, they set him up for failure and then they fired him, which yeah. makes no sense to me why you would do that. And, and I, it's just unfair to me. Honestly, I feel like, I feel like the team that he put out on that field for how good they were was they, they reached above where they should have been. Oh, would you agree with that?
0: Yeah. I can't say I'm surprised. It's the Houston Texans. Um, This is a franchise that let Bill O'Brien into their front office, which isn't a terrible move. Um, But then they let Bill O'Brien trade away J.J. Watt and not get a first-round pick or not even talk about getting a first-round pick back. And they're like, yeah, no, you keep, yeah, we're cool with you being the GM. And then he did it with D-Hop. And they're like, yeah, no, you're cool. And then it finally took for them to losing games on the field for them to can him. Um, I hope this doesn't stunt Davis Mills' growth. We talked about Davis Mills last week. Of course, nobody heard it. Kid played above and beyond expectations, was a great QB, and down the stretch, honestly, through the last six weeks, might have been the best rookie quarterback out there. Yeah. Um, Was making throws that other rookies weren't making, was not making mistakes that other rookies were making. Hopefully this doesn't stun his growth. Again, I don't think the expectations were that high for Coley. Being a passing game coordinator on the best rushing offense of the league, it was a weird hiring in the first place for me.
1: It was, Um, yeah.
0: So I feel I feel for him. I do think he'll get another job. It won't be a head coaching job. He'll definitely be back in uh, the front office or on a coaching staff somewhere else because he's a people's person. He's easy to get along with, easy to be around. Um, definitely a guy I think that'll be on a staff. He just won't be the head of staff.
1: Yeah, I I I don't know. I feel I just, for the guy. I feel for him. And and he will. He'll be on an NFL staff somewhere as you know, QB coach, running back coach, something. He he deserves he's a good he's a good football coach. That's yeah. how I feel about him. Let's uh let's go ahead and are you are you do you want me to start with this one? I can start, but um let's rank the jobs. Um okay. I I would say the best job out there, and this is gonna probably surprise a lot of people, would be the Bears. Um mm for a couple of reasons. So one, it's a new GM and new head coach. So that normally is a good sign that you'll last a while, right? Yeah. Like there, there's good, good signs there that, you know, you're going to get a three or four year run at it. Um, the other reason is you have a great QB there and a great QB with a lot of potential with Justin Fields for yeah. sure. Um, and then that division, that division is, Maybe not winnable right now with the way Aaron Rodgers is playing, but you can be competitive in it, right?
0: With an aging Aaron Rodgers, Minnesota's undergoing a turnover in their yeah. department. They're losing Kirk Cousins. They're going to have to replace at the quarterback position. And we can you can look at Denver to see that no matter how good the team is around it, if you can't fill the quarterback spot, you're not going to make the playoffs. And then yeah. you have the Detroit Lions, non-factor.
1: Yes. Yeah. So that's Which, always nice. With
0: Dan Campbell, maybe a factor, but it's going to be another four years. It's, you know, yeah. it's going to, it's a long build to that. I,
1: I would say the bears are in better position to turn it around than the Vikings and the lions right now. So there's chance you could be a wild card team within a couple of years, if not next year,
0: I would, this was my top job as well. So I agree okay. with you here. No, no need to say anymore.
1: Okay. Uh, the second job I have, and again, this is probably going to surprise people. I have the Raiders job being the second best job that's out there. Okay. Uh, Um, again, clean swipe on, on the, on the GM and the head coach, right? So potentially a clean clean sleep there. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a really tough division, but how often do you get to take over a team that's, already made the playoffs. This was a playoff team last year, right? Like this year they they made the playoffs. So they
0: were a playoff. To, yeah, no other team that is, that was just in the playoffs as of three days ago, four days ago has a head coaching vacancy. That's open.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I think that makes this job really, really, really attractive. Um, just because, yeah, because it's a team that you can turn around and be Super Bowl ready this year. A couple pieces added here, the right offensive scheme around Derek Carr, and boom, you're you're there. You know, you're you're in the right spot. If, so if you
0: smash this draft class out of the water. If they can hit like Mayock did in the late rounds and hit the first and the second round, this is definitely a team that could compete. The only thing that stands in front of them is how tough that division is at this point. Yeah, it's a but, tough six games a year.
1: Would this have been your second job or no?
0: Agreed. Yep, 100%. Uh, I had something else there, but obviously things changed in the last week. So the the other job has dropped out of my top two. So the the, the Raiders were three. They've moved up for me.
1: The next job that I have is the Jags. Um, And it's solely based on the fact that Trevor Lawrence is there that GM that's there doesn't have a great history when it comes to, he was the GM for the 49ers when Jim Harbaugh was there. Uh, I can't remember his name, but
0: I cannot. yeah,
1: I never like to be the GM second coach because that probably means that if we don't succeed very quickly, it's we're probably his last. Set. We're both getting fired because yep. yeah, very rarely do the, does a team keep the fire the GM and keep the coach just doesn't, doesn't happen very often. Um, yep. So I I would put that there solely based on the fact that Trevor Lawrence is there. That division again is one of the things we're going to talk about a lot is wide fricking open. Um, it's, it's a team that you come in, put the right pieces around. I mean, the Titans are hit or miss. It's an aging roster for the Titans. Uh, the Colts, you know, who knows what Carson Wentz is going to do week to week. Um, so yeah, I who's the other team yeah, in that division? Why Texans. am I blanking on that? The Texans. There the Texans you go. have got to
0: figure out their head coaching <laughs> in, and then they've got to figure out their quarterback situation going forward. Right. So we'll see if Deshaun gets dealt. Does he play another game? What happens there? Um this was this was the partial three. This is like three A, three B for me. Mm-hmm. The fourth team that I had that was in contention for this third spot would be the Broncos. Again, this was the team that I had it to. Um it depends obviously the the team being sold is the thing that drops this for me because yeah. new ownership comes in they clean house it might happen you're going to have to succeed with Drew Locker or Teddy Bridgewater to keep your job most likely that's not a prospect that i'm okay with banking on especially in the division that i play in um but also like we said this team's a quarterback away yeah and you know if you're able to maneuver and get in and again this is not a a a great QB draft class, but there may be quarterbacks on the market. If nothing else, you have to make an attempt. This is one of those jobs where if, if this is your only offer, you may take it and it may stunt your career as a head coach. You also may jump in and take the spot right away. Um, The Jags are right there with this job for me because the Jags are superstars away at this point. Like they're the, the big, two pieces and an offensive line away from being there. Trevor Lawrence is a stud. They have two great running backs. I like uh, DJ Chark. I like Marvin Jones. Lavish was a disappointment this year, but who knows as a third option, I think is better for him than trying to be a two or a one defensively. Miles Jack, Josh Allen. Um, they're just, they're missing the, the, the there's piece. I guess, yeah, yeah there's, there's, there's pieces, so there. pieces there. Yeah. They're just missing, you know, the, the corner piece of the puzzle. Like they have, they have the whole outline. They have all the cornerstones. They have their pieces in line. They're missing. They have like three pieces in the middle. And I guess they let their, their son play with this puzzle before they got to it. Cause those three pieces are missing right now. They have to find them. Uh, I would, or, j- I, or jam something in the hole and hope it, it works. Fits, right. <laughs> like, um, I, those are, those are the two jobs that are right there back and forth for me. Also, the GM still being there, and it's Jacksonville. They're not known for being a well-ran organization, which also scares me off just as much as Denver possibly cleaning house when the new ownership comes in.
1: So I think the struggle I have with, with Denver is not only the ownership change, but that division. Because mm-hmm. you look around and you go, okay, even if we go out and we get a Russell Wilson or we get an Aaron Rodgers or a Jimmy Garoppolo or whoever, you know, We have to go out and compete with Patrick Mahomes, the Raiders who made the playoffs this year with Derek Carr. We have to go out and compete with Justin Herbert now, who, you know, has shined his first two years in the league. It's just such a hard division. It's like, where are you going to find space to kind of fit in? You know, that's, that's the big thing for this is there's a lot of instability there and you're a quarterback away. Yes, but it has to be a high end quarterback. That's the problem is I think the chargers get better next year. The chiefs are still going to be the chiefs next year. So there's, there's a lot of moving pieces when it comes to that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'd agree. Those that's like three, a three B for me. That one's that one's up there. Just cause like I said, Jacksonville's ownership and front office situation scares me just as much as Denver's does.
1: Um, for me, um, the next two jobs are pretty close together for completely different reasons. Um, I would personally rank it Vikings Giants. Um some people would probably disagree with that. I I I'll say this the reason that I'm gonna say Vikings over the Giants job is again that division's somewhat unknown, right? So the Bears are an unknown, the Lions are an unknown. Um, and if you bring in the right coach with this team, they have the weapons there. They have oh, Justin Jefferson, they have Dalvin Cook, they have so they have a top 10 running back they have a top 10 wide receiver they have a competent quarterback you know you get a healthy defense this this team isn't that far from the playoffs um yeah, this
0: is you get a you get an offensive minded head coach and Vic Vangione is your DC this team is scary next year
1: yeah they, you just, they're you,
0: you have to win the games that you're supposed to win yes that's that's always what stopped Kirk Cousins and it's what stopped the Vikings all year this year
1: so, yeah, I think with competent coaching, Kirk Cousins has played well when he's had Kyle Shanahan as his O.C. has played well. So I think I think you're right. Going offense here would be would be a big key. Um, the, the other reason that I think the Giants job is kind of a middle of the road job is that division, I mean, is so wild you know as always it is and it is a clean it is a clean start so new gm new head coach so you'll have time to hopefully build the program the way you want to build it
0: yeah it's new york is never going to be the top of the spot when it comes to you trying to work there because you have to step into the media and try to handle the situation which is never easy yeah when i look at the giants overall daniel jones unknown still has some potential maybe if you stretch it if you squint really hard you're like he might be a franchise guy
1: i i'm uh, guessing they're gonna move on from daniel jones would be would my agree. assumption and
0: again who knows what they're gonna get in this draft class it's not the strongest quarterback class i love saquon barkley he can't stay on the field that's an issue i just spent 72 million dollars on kenny galladay he didn't catch a touchdown I spent a first-round pick on Kandarius Toney. He didn't catch a touchdown. My offensive line is horrible. Nate Solder is getting $18 million here for some reason. That's yeah. ridiculous. My defense, solid, okay. James Bradbury had a breakout year. He had an okay of the year this year. I love Jabril Peppers. I like Leonard Williams on the D-line. There's pieces here and there, but a team that's very, very far away from winning and a city that is not willing to wait a long time for you to win.
1: Yeah, is, I, uh, <laughs> I'm curious to see what that what that's going to look like. So,
0: yeah, I know, it is a it is a category five shitstorm, is what I would call that. It's like the perfect storm, but it's bad. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, it it it's it. This team feels too far. It feels far away, and they're just in a weird spot. You probably run it back with Daniel Jones for one more year, and then go get a new QB next year.
0: Yeah. If there's a QB that falls, this is, it's not a draft class. I'm trading up for a quarterback, barring any unforeseen things that happen at the combine and pro days. But trust your gut. You've, you've fallen for the combine pro day guy before. He's the quarterback that you currently have. You took a kid out of UNC or was it Duke?
1: He played at Duke. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was Bishop Trubisky. This UNC. Yeah. You took a kid out of Duke that was 31 and 33 as a starter in his college career. And you took him because Mike Mayhawk said that his combine and his pro day were just too good, and his game was going to translate to the NFL. It hasn't. Don't fall for it. This is a team that needs the Deshaun Watson, that for some reason I can go beat Alabama in a national championship game and still be the third or fourth quarterback off the board. Behind guys like this, behind a Mitchell Trubisky
1: right yeah um the last two yeah it's a weird spot for sure the last two teams for me are somewhat interchangeable i would say the dolphins have a better roster right now than the texans so i'd probably put them ahead of that um you're kind of in an unknown spot with the qb um unknown spot with the gm how long is he gonna last um So, and then you got to go play in the AFC East, by the way, you got to go face Bill Belichick and Mac Jones and uh, Josh Allen and Sean McDermott. So yeah, not a division I'd want to be in. Um, Not really a spot. I'd want to be in the the team. The roster is more talent, but, and these are obviously we're ranking these jobs as their roster sit right now. Yeah. So one of these teams could go out and make a big move. So the giants go out and get Russell Wilson. That job becomes a heck of a lot more attractive very quickly.
0: And I'd have to I'd have to really like do my research as a candidate on kind of what the Texans' plans are going forward with Deshaun, what moves the Dolphins are going to make in the offseason to try to tag around to a of Iloa and Jalen Waddle going forward. But honestly, I if if I could get Deshaun Watson back in the building, I'm letting it ride with Houston. Obviously, that's a massive what if, and I'm most likely not. But I'd obviously much rather have Deshaun Watson over to uh, yeah, no matter what team I'm putting around. Them.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's going to wrap up headlines. You want to anything else you want to talk about?
0: Um, I'm gonna. There was one thing I was going to attack. I'm glad I read Pump the Brakes. I'm going to save it for for Pump the Brakes when we get okay. There because I don't want to want to steal your thunder. Okay. Hear, so. Um, before we get to pump the brakes, another quick ad from you guys. From Tyler the Creator uh, is going on tour this year. His "Call Me If You Get Lost" tour starts. It was his sixth studio album by the American rapper and producer Tyler the Creator. The album is narrated by DJ Drama and features guest appearances from Forty Two, Doug, uh, NBA YoungBoy, Ty Dolla Sign, Lil Wayne, and many, many more. Tyler and friends are going on tour starting February 10th this year in 2022, and we'll be going to Atlanta, New York, Houston, and LA. He will have Vince Staples, Kelly, Uchis, and Tezo touchdown on tour with him. Uh, for our Kansas people, he will be in Kansas city, Missouri, Saturday, February 19th, 2022 at seven o'clock PM at cable Dahmer arena. Get your tickets now for Tyler's first arena headlining tour. Um, that was most likely – it was definitely top five al- rap albums last year. The, the production on that was insane. Tyler's creativity really took over. It was a great body of work. Uh, if I had a freer schedule and more money in my wallet, I would definitely be going to Kansas City in February. But it's not in the cards. So I guess I'll just uh, listen to it really loud in my car on the way to work a couple times. So I think that might get my fix in hopefully. There you uh, go into pump the brakes this first one luckily the first what i was gonna attack into headlines is coming on the first one so we can we can attack this
1: quick here okay hang on before we before we get too back into football you said it was a top five album
0: it was a top five rap album
1: last rap year. album sorry sorry was the off season in that does that fall in that category for you
0: that's tough okay i'm i'm sort of biased as a j cole fan
1: I that's it i'm them. doing a podcast with somebody else i'm <laughs> I'm a free agent. We're we're not going to spend any time on that because this is a sports podcast. But man, I'm a free agent. If,
0: if it definitely is 100 percent top ten, and I think it could scrape into my top five. I'd have to think about it.
1: Hey, my Twitter DMs are wide open. People, <laughs> don't be contracts. shy. Send, send the, the contract offers. Send send me your offers. Just let me know. I didn't right. realize I was working with a fraud.
0: Where does, okay. uh, <laughs> all right. Well, next week we'll talk about where. Where the opening on the Owen show falls in with all the head coaching. Just, <laughs> we're right. we're going to have some candidacy overlap there.
1: Hey, so, Mike, you've only talked good things about Mike Mayock. He might be available. Bring so, him in, but,
0: man. We got draft stuff to talk about. Whatever.
1: He would be great at that. Bring it on. Okay. Pump the brakes. Uh, first one I got. Dan Quinn should be the head coach for the Cowboys.
0: You know, I'm I'm not going to pump the brakes here. Um, I'm all for it. I've never been a huge Mike McCarthy fan. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody here. I don't think a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans are Mike McCarthy fans at this point. Um, my overreaction to watching the last 12 seconds of that Dallas Niners game on Sunday was whoever made that play call. No, Because you know, whether it's Kellen Moore or it was McCarthy, both of those guys know whether Dak and that offense was prepared for that play call at that certain time. They knew damn well that they weren't ready for it. They called it anyways and it backfired. Yeah. My overreaction to watching that play was whoever called that play should not be a head coach next year. I have a feeling it was McCarthy. So I would want him gone. And if it's Kellen Moore, it would scare me out of promoting him to my head coach spot or hiring him in to another building because it's a questionable thing. If you can't, if you don't know what your quarterback is capable and comfortable running in a certain situation, who does? No right. one does. You know? So, and and here's the thing. If McCarthy makes the play call, it's a much easier thing. I'm 100, like, I would, obviously I'd have to do my interviews first of all and see how they kind of feel about it. Obviously they have a lot of offers on the table. Dallas will most likely never be in this situation again. There is there is a solid chance that they're going to lose one, if not both of their coordinators this offseason. Yeah. So next year it goes south again, you're finally ready to fire McCarthy. Now you have to join this whole, you know, you gotta join the carousel. Who are we gonna bring in? Yada yada yada. So so you- kind of
1: off that point is if you lose both your coordinators, I don't know if this team gets better because of that fact. I know a lot of people are calling for for Kellen's job right now, but I don't I think if you lose if Dan Quinn gets a head coaching job somewhere else and either fire Kellen Moore or he gets a head coaching job, I don't think Dallas is as good as they were this year. That's the I would problem.
0: 110% agree with you. And you have to join the carousel whereas like when I look at McCarthy versus Brian Flores versus right versus um Doug Peterson, I'm like I would rather have those two guys, get them in the building. You have the opportunity right now where you don't have to do that. You can literally walk down the hallway and you have two of the top six recruiting like head coaching candidates in your building. That is not going to happen. When's the last time Dallas has had two coordinators ready to walk out of the door for other head coaching spots?
1: Not, not in a long tell time.
0: You, I don't think it's ever happened. I don't think it ever happened under Jason Garrett. I yeah. couldn't tell you who Jason Garrett's OC and DC even was when he was. Well,
1: there. under Jason Garrett, it definitely didn't happen, but under, other un, under, under others, there's potential like Jimmy Johnson, but yeah. I, I don't, but yeah. So,
0: so it's one of those things. We talk about this all the time. We talked about it with Flores. We've talked about it with Nagy. Who are you going to bring in to replace? Because if you, if you fire, you make the right move and you fire a guy, but then you bring in a downgrade. It was actually, you got worse, which is bad. Right. Yeah. I got rid of urban Meyer, but the guy I brought in is, Somehow, I mean, never mind. I can't use Urban or John Gruden. I fired Matt Nagy, but this guy is worse than Nagy was. So as much as we needed Nagy gone, we failed in the hiring process. Right. You have two top six candidates in your facility currently. You have two upgrades that are in your building, and there are five or six more available. Get rid of McCarthy while you can. Get rid I, of him I, while it's easier to find a replacement.
1: I'll say this too. I think we might be slightly biased just because we were never McCarthy supporters. I didn't like the yeah. hire in the first place too much. Neither did I. Neither did but I. yeah, I, I think most of the time I think Dallas overreacts. I think this would be one of the few times that they're they're properly reacting to the situation of we haven't seen it come together. And their super window, like you were saying, is, is tight, you know? Yep. They have so many weapons on offense. This this is your chance. You got to go for it. And I don't know if they are or not.
0: Yeah, the Super Bowl window is tight, more because of money at this point than anything. Yeah, and you've got to get to this, and it's it's not like the the window is tight, but you also have to realize the window is open. This yes. team is talented, and Dan Quinn is definitely would be a more higher candidate than Kellen Moore at this point because I think he's higher on a lot of teams' lists to be hired elsewhere. He has head coaching experience. He's not coming off a controversial play call on his side of the ball at the end of a game. A hundred percent. And, and from what I've heard from all the reports we've heard, everybody on that Dallas defense loves Dan Quinn. Yeah. So, and especially if you can keep Kellen Moore in and move Dan Quinn to DC. Oh, hell yeah. I'm doing it. I don't care who my head coach is to be hundred percent honest with you. It makes all the sense of the world to me.
1: Yeah. Um. Next one I got for you, the Raiders are moving on at head coach. I know we kind of we kind of already spoiled this one a little bit. I know there's reports now, but it is what it is.
0: I'm going to pump the brakes here. Um, okay. As much as I think they should, and it's the right move after moving on from Mayock, and as much as I want, um, I always forget his name or I'll mispronounce it. Basachi? Basachio? Something like that? Um, as much as I think he deserves another shot in this league, um, I think he's going to get it. I don't think it's the right move after firing Mayock because like we said, when his, I guess technically this would be his first head coaching job. He wasn't really the head coach last year. He was the interim head coach. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Um, I'm going to pump the brakes. I don't think they're moving on. I think they're not going to be able to lure a Brian Flores or Doug Peterson in. And I think at the end of the day, I think Derek Carr might even be a large proponent of being like, this guy came in and was the stability we needed in, the most turbulent season of football a football team has ever went through, and I want him around next year.
1: I, I, yeah, my original thought behind this is because of the fact that they moved on from Mayock, right? Yeah, so, I, the,
0: the seeds of doubt have been planted.
1: 100%. Yeah. So that that's the only only thing here. I don't think it'd be crazy to keep him in, but I I don't know. It depends on who who's interested in the job. That's really what it would come down to for me. All right. We we've got a we've got to speed her up just slightly here, but just uh, slightly. Kingsbury should be out.
0: This is tough. I'm going to pump the brakes. I think. Smart. I I agree. My gut says yes, but there's no way that you get to the playoffs for the first time for the first time mm-hmm. in a long time for the, for an NFL franchise who has the most losses of any team in NFL history, which hmm. may surprise some people, but it's true. Didn't and know they have, that they have like 177 losses as a team all time. It's just cause they've been around the longest and they've never, ever really been good.
1: They were uh, good for a couple seasons, a, for a couple bunch of seasons, different the late
0: seasons. 2000s. but other than that, like there's, there's never been a, a period of remote, dominance at all
1: they always get guys at the end of their career and then they kind of like because they had kurt warner for a couple years that was when they made the super bowl uh carson palmer made them relevant with bruce arians as well yeah
0: so again i feel like i don't i don't like kingsbury a ton to be 100 honest with you but you're not gonna be like oh he took us to the playoffs with kyler murray in his first (laughs) year and we lost the rams let's fire him it's not gonna happen
1: I, I would, I would, I think this is an overreaction. I would keep Kingsbury for at least another year. If you don't make the postseason agree. next year, I think you evaluate it. Or if they look that bad again in the playoffs, then then I think it's time to pull that trigger.
0: I, I just don't. My gut just tells me that Kingsbury is not going to work in the long run, and my gut's been wrong a hundred times before. It's probably wrong again. Right. So yeah, I don't think they're going to move on. I don't think they should move on, but I think in the long run, I think it may be the right move.
1: All right obj is going to get paid next season
0: i'm going to pump the brakes just because the way you said paid i don't i don't think Mm -hmm. he's getting paid i think he's gonna get paid for sure um i don't know who i don't think it'll be la because they don't really have money to throw at this point um so if he stays in la i don't think he's gonna get paid because they don't really have the money to to spare at this point with Jalen right here donald matthew stafford uh vaughn millard cooper cups already on deal
1: there there's a little
0: hefty o-line contracts to tack in there as well
1: yeah i i think he ends up somewhere in that middle ground of like i don't know he's got to be worth 10 million plus a year i would think um, yeah, he's
0: definitely going to be like eight to ten in my opinion he's going to be one of the few wide receivers that fall in that mid-level range oh there's a there's gonna a, bunch. Be a short deal. Yeah. It's going to be a two year deal at max. I,
1: I think he gets a two or three year deal and maybe he creeps into like the, you know, 11, 12 stage. Um, but no, I, I mean, I'm not say I, when I, when he's, when I say he's going to get paid, he's, he's not going to be on a minimum deal next year is what I'm trying to say.
0: Definitely not. Definitely not a minimum deal. I think the only reason it's going to be a shorter deal is because I think he has a chance to get another contract and he's hundred percent going to want that.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, Daniel Jones won't be a starter next year.
0: I think this all falls on to um, whether the Giants keep him at this point. Um, I don't think he should be. I wouldn't be surprised if he is. Um, I'm not going to pump the brakes. I, I hope that whoever gets that New York job is realizing that it hasn't worked to this point. It's not going to work with me now.
1: Unless you take the job for
0: Daniel Jones.
1: Well, I don't think anyone's doing that. So I would
0: 100% agree with you, and I think the thing that keeps him his starting job next year going forward is just the fact that they don't find anybody else better in the office. Yeah. If this was last year's quarterback class, I I'd, I'd bet $100 he wasn't the QB next year.
1: Yeah, that's the problem is I don't know where they're gonna fall, like who's gonna be available when they draft. So I think that's what it's gonna come down to is as, is as unpredictable what they want. as the
0: prospects at quarterback are this year, it's also extremely unpredictable where they're gonna go. Yeah. This is the first time like I could see a QB go at one, I could see that same QB go at twelve.
1: I right. Yeah. Okay, next one I got for you in the final one. Jimmy G is playing himself into being a starter next year.
0: I'm gonna pump the brakes. Wow. Um, again, never been a huge Jimmy G guy. The bias is talking out of me here. Um, I I feel like the, the ceiling isn't great. Ceiling isn't that high. And also not only did the Niners spend pick three on Trey Lance, they traded up, gave up two first rounders to go get that pick. He definitely won't be a starter. Like I think the only way he keeps a starting job in San Fran next year he has got to make the Super Bowl again. And wow. You're you're banking on him taking down Aaron Rodgers and then Tom Brady and or or Tom Brady or Matthew Stafford after that.
1: So I I'll, I'll say this to it real quick is I think he ends up being a starter. It's not going to be for the 49ers. I think it's for another team that gets whoever gets left out. So if it is the giants or the Broncos, I think he'll be a starter. I, I don't know how viable of a long-term solution he is. I think he'll be a bridge QB next year, though. Yeah,
0: I could definitely – I 100% agree with that. I meant he has to make it to the Super Bowl to be the Niners starting QB next
1: yeah, year. Yeah, and I and I, I think he has to win a Super Bowl probably to be the Niners QB next year. Yeah, so
0: 100%. And even then, there's a chance that they're like, the stock's high. We're trying to get the F out.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a chance that they Nick Foles them or, you yeah. know, like
0: – There's a possibility of that happening. Yeah, yeah. So. Before we get to our last segment, our preview for the divisional round matchup, our last ad coming to us from StockX... StockX is an online marketplace and clothing reseller, primarily of sneakers since November of 2020. It has also opened up to electronic products such as game consoles, smartphones, and computer hardware. The Detroit based company was founded by Dan Gilbert, Josh Luber, Greg Schwartz, and Chris Kaufman in 2015. StockX has more than 800 employees in downtown Detroit, authenticating shoes and other accessories daily. StockX pick of the week is Yeezy Gap brand jacket and Apple airPod max headphones type in promo code BdL for 10% off your order valid through the f- January 21st to January 28th in all 50 states of America and Puerto Rico shop now for all your fashion needs so y'all heard it y'all heard it here first it's January 18th as of recording January 19th as of putting this out. January twenty first to January twenty eighth. You got a ten percent off on stock X orders using code BDL at checkout. So with that, into our, our division re- or our division preview, I guess. We got a couple minutes here. Yeah. Um, obviously less and less games to talk about, but need to talk more and more about each game. So let's hop right into it.
1: Uh Bengals versus Titans is and I did these in order of of that they're gonna air on TV. They're so play. Yep. So these two, the first two are going to be the Saturday games in this order. Um, Bengals versus Titans. I think it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, I don't know if it's been confirmed that Derek Henry is going to play or not. I don't,
0: I don't think it has been, I could be wrong. I don't think it has been either, which is the scary part.
1: I think it's very much like, uh, JJ Watt last week where it was kind of like a hit and miss, like, Oh, we don't know. We don't know. So, you know, or a game time decision. So I think they're trying to keep it on, on the DL on purpose, um,
0: which is smart. I hundred percent think it's smart.
1: So that'll that'll be intriguing to see. Um, Who you got? I I'm going to go with the Bengals on this one, just because for a couple of reasons. One, if Derrick Henry doesn't play, I think I don't think it'll benefit. I think it benefits the Bengals significantly. I think even if Henry does play him, not having a contact practice since his injury, how rusty is he going to be? How well is he going to be able to perform coming straight off that injury? Um, and you're asking me to bet on Brian Tannehill and I promise you right now, I'll never bet on Ryan Tannehill when it comes to those situations.
0: The, you saw me type Titans and then backspace, put the Bengals on, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go with Cincy here, too. I think they got the perfect matchup. I think if they go up against either one of the other teams in the AFC right now, uh, they're probably I'm probably picking them to lose. But they have the matchup against the Titans. I think, regardless, the game plan for Zach Taylor and the Bengals this week has to be stop the run. Whether it's Derrick Henry, whether it's Donta Foreman, whether they bring back Adrian Peterson for another game, whether they I, – I don't know who. You – Put anybody back there. They can throw A. J. Brown at receiver. I want to I want to stop the run. Not contain it. Not keep him to under four yards. I want to destroy the run game to where it's no longer viable. And I want to make Ryan Tannehill beat me in the air. Because guess yeah. what? What did you just say? I'm not betting on that to happen. No. Um and I think this is the part where Zach Taylor could definitely get bit. I think if Derrick Henry plays, um Obviously, this game is much more up in the air, and I would honestly, I'd lean towards the Titans winning. I don't think there's going to be any rust, practice or not. Um, I, I Derek Henry just feels like the kind of guy to come back from the injury, run for 150 yards, and be like, well, I mean, kind of, you know, it felt like an off day to me. Could have won, yeah, I, you know, I, like I, that's what I feel like is going to happen if he plays.
1: There, there's potential for that. I would, I mean, sure. I just. I don't know if, if you're asking me, you know, put the mortgage on it. I don't know if I would trust it. That's, oh, that's the only thing slowing me down. If,
0: if, if I'm betting, I'm taking the Bengals because you're asking me to bet on Derrick Henry's health at that point. Right? Because yeah. I, and that's honestly a less sure bet than Tannehill at this point. So I'm going Bengals.
1: Yes. I, I think that's the right call. They're the hotter team. I, I don't know. The other thing that slows me down on the Titans is I don't know if they have an answer if they have an answer for um, Jamar, Chase. Jamar Chase, I just, I'm just not sure it's there. I'm not, I'm not sure anyone has it, but I'm not all that confident in the Titans having it particularly. I don't
0: think they have a single answer for anything that the Bengals do is another issue Yeah, um, that I don't, they don't have a pass rush to get after Joe Burrow. They don't have the bodies to stop Joe mix on the ground. They don't have the bodies to stop Jamar Chase through the air. So it's going to be a bloodbath for sure.
1: It'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but yeah, next game we got is the 49ers and Packers. Um, I'm gonna say this now I think this game could be a sleeper game. Uh, I think it'll be closer than people probably think it's gonna be. It'll uh, be
0: closer than it should be.
1: I, I, I that's kind of where I'm at with this. I'm gonna take the Packers here. Um, There's a reason that the line is close on these two games because I think they're going to be two really, really, really good games. Um, But I think, I think the 49ers keep it interesting, but I'm going to go Packers long-term.
0: Yeah. um, I'm going to go Packers as well. Uh, Like I said earlier, love the Niners. Um, I'm all for it. I like the storyline. There's definitely a possibility. Like this is, there's no Pittsburgh Kansas City game this week. Um, this is all these games are up in the air. As much yes. as you know, I want to believe in Tennessee. I have to bet on Derrick Henry's health, and as much as I want to believe in in the Niners, what I'm betting on in this game is Aaron Rodgers not playing well. Wow! And given his track record against. The Niners in the postseason, and you know you you could take that bet, and you might be safe with it, honestly. But again, I don't think he's going to do it this year. I think he knows that this is the year for him to do it. Other teams are weak. I, yes. I think yeah. I get the easiest Super Bowl matchup you're going to get out of the AFC for years to come, in the last three years. This is this is the year to do it, and I think he's more energized than ever to go win the Super Bowl at this point. So I'm going to go with the Packers. I'm
1: going to disagree with you on the AFC part, but I think this is the year to come out of the NFC for sure. Um, gotcha. Yeah. I th- I think this is his chance. I think whoever comes out of the AFC is it's going to be a, a heavyweight match. You know what I mean? But yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. I think I think this is their shot, and I think they're going to go for it. It's going to be in Lambeau. And it's not going to be easy for Tennessee to go up there and play in the cold in Lambeau Field. And we talked about it going in late into the season that playing in Lambeau Field is such an advantage at home field that this might be one of those games where it's going to benefit the Packers greatly. You know, a late game situation. You know, it's going to be a, a lot of lot of running yards for sure, probably. Hundred percent. All right next game we got is the rams versus the bucks it's
0: another one could go either way um I don't know this one I saw you changers and part of me honestly I almost took the other if you want to flip back we can because I'm having second thoughts at this point.
1: Well, I only changed because you copied me, so I was like, I... "Let's
0: let's flip back, let's flip okay. back." because I can't, I'm not going to be able to defend it. In my, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, "That was that, you know, that pick isn't what you thought originally." Uh, okay, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the Bucks in this game. Okay. Um, like I t- we talked about it in the recap earlier, I felt like Stafford was going to come out and throw a pick against Arizona. He hasn't played the greatest football. He has a confidence booster game against that Arizona defense now going into a weakened Buck secondary. But I've seen this story. It's happened. Yes, he lit up that Tampa Bay defense in week four when they played him the first time. He's played a lot of football since then. He's played a lot of bad football since then. Um, and the bottom line, this is going to come down to which quarterback I believe in most. And I'm not betting against Tom Brady in the long run. Uh, yeah. I'm going to bet against
1: the GOAT. Tom Brady at home is definitely a nice advantage. The thing I'll say is I like the Rams running game better than I like the Bucks' running game right now.
0: 100%.
1: I would agree. And but the Bucks defense is definitely real and the Rams defense is also very real. Yeah. The one, the one weakness that Tom Brady doesn't really enjoy is pressure up the middle. Um, he can handle the edge pressure because he's able to step up in the pocket. So I think if Aaron Donald is going to be a problem, uh, in this game, I think it's going to be dangerous. And I think Von Miller could have a big game because Tristan worse is out. So I, I just think the Bucks have too Ryan many Jensen's holes possibly
0: out as well now, too.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of holes when you look at this Bucks Bucks offense that it's going to be tough for them to overcome. And the Rams have a lot of difference makers. The only thing I think that stops the Rams from winning this game is Matthew Stafford. So if it's if a he Stafford
0: out, shot in the foot at this point.
1: yes yeah i think he he can have one pick and they'll be okay i think if he throws more than one pick i don't think the rams have a shot so that's I think, what i think this game comes down to
0: i i would say they still have a shot but you're also you're banking on tom brady throwing picks in the playoffs and that doesn't happen often no you know, no I mean, tom brady doesn't
1: make mistakes yeah you've
0: seen it happen before but it is it is a rarity at best
1: yeah so that's I, I mean, I stuck with my guns on all of these, these were my original picks. The only reason I changed is I wanted us to be different on more some than one game. Yeah, yeah. Some of them. So I, yeah, I'm like, the, I could see this is a game again. I could see it going either way. Um,
0: I think all four of these games are absolutely. Yeah. flips. At yes.
1: Best. At best. Yeah. Last game bills versus chiefs. Um, I've got the bills. I think they played, like we said, a perfect game when it comes to offense. Uh, I think Josh Allen understands the moment now, and he's. It's not going to be too big for him, and I, the Chiefs we've seen be hit or miss this year. And if the yep. Bills are going to do it, this is the year.
0: I could definitely. Uh, you see it, like we said, it's a coin flip game. The Bills are coming off the perfect game, the only perfect game in NFL history from an offensive standpoint. The Chiefs are coming off their bludgeoning of the Steelers at home. It's in Arrowhead. It's not a place I want to play if I'm a road team. Yeah, we saw what happened the last time that Josh. Did they go to Arrowhead last year for the postseason?
1: They did. They yes. Buffalo? No, they did. So it was in Arrowhead.
0: We saw what happened last year when they were in Arrowhead. That the reason I'm going with the Chiefs here is I think when it comes to quarterback play, it's it's tit for tat. You know, you I mean you you can't go wrong with either one of these QBs. They're both very talented. They both do a lot of things great. They do a lot of the same things. Uh, at the same level, um, the defense, both of them are not great. Neither of them can really stop the run. Both. I mean, the Buffalo pass defense is definitely a little bit better than Kansas City's. They both have superstar safeties in their secondary. Um, both of them missing their top corners. Obviously, Tredavis, White being better than the Sneed, but top corners out nonetheless. Um, so this comes down to coaching at this point, and uh, I'm going to go with Andy Reid over Sean. McS2. Yeah um and i'm so it's it's a combination of things i I like patty a little bit more than josh allen as good as josh allen's playing it's it's one of those things of like yeah stafford's playing better as of last week but it's tom brady and also going with the coaching and hopefully they make the right decision to put jet mckinnon in the backfield because he had an animal week last week and also with the bucks uh, this is the game that giovanni bernard has 150 yards for no effing reason.
1: This is to me we're we're on the similar thought of train here. The way I'm looking at it is passing offense it's a push. Pass rushing it's a push, maybe a slight edge to the Bills. When I look at defense, that's where I go, the Bills Buffalo has a real advantage here. This defense is very legit and uh I mean it was it's a top 5 scoring defense. So I just look at that defense and I go, defense wins the championships, right? And yep this is the year that the bills, the bills offense is looking at peak performance. And long as they are able to play to their top notch, I trust their defense more than I trust the chiefs defense. That's, that's what this game came down to me for.
0: Yeah. And I could, I could hundred percent understand that as well. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be a bloodbath nonetheless. Absolutely. So that is going to wrap it up for episode 16. Um, obviously no basketball this week, a lot of football to talk about, obviously, Having a down week trying to cover Black Monday. We had our five fan questions. Just wasn't in the card for basketball this week. We'll definitely talk about the NBA next week as we have less and less football to talk about. We may have some head coaching hirings hopefully to talk about by next week. But only time will tell. So yeah. um, anything else to add before we get out of here?
1: That's it. That's all I got. If they you made it this us. far, yeah, thank you for making it this far. So
0: Agreed if you listen to a full two hours and 15 minutes of us talking and rambling about football, I love you more than you could ever know. So yes, make sure you follow us on Twitter. Owen and underscore Burke and piss warm takes on Twitter. Yes. yes. Um, we're there. Make sure you guys listen to BDL coming out this week. Uh, we should have an, I don't think there's an episode of one-on-one this week. I think we might be flying solo, but nonetheless, BDL and the Owen show will remain, uh, on Wednesdays and Fridays. So make sure you guys tune in to all the stuff. Make sure you get the post notifications turned on, man. It's hard for me to keep track of the schedule. And I'll tell you what Spotify does a lot better of a job notifying you when a show comes out than I do. So make sure you get the notifications on for us. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Other than that, that's going to do it for episode 16. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you guys next week.